This episode that you're turning into is sponsored by Nani Wilson. Nani Wilson, for the cultures, thanks you for your sponsorship. What are we doing it for? We're doing it for the culture. Hey, everybody, what's going down? Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. It is Monday, the best day. Yeah. Because for the cultures is... In your sound waves, in your ears, in your earbuds. Yeah, yeah. We're here, and we're here for it. Guess what, y'all? This is episode 10. I know we left y'all last week. Uh, We had a bye last week, and, you know, we tried to put it out there on Indigenous People's Day, but, you know, Instagram wanted to hate hate on us and take the post down. Dang. Which we were trying to fight. It's messed up. It's hella messed up, right? So we back now. Um, and actually today is our girl Bex's birthday. Yes. Shout out to Bex. Y'all, it is Bex's birthday. And so, um, she got the day off. She got the day off and we got a special guest filling her, filling her seat. Trying to fill Bex's seat and (laughs) shoes and presents. And so I'm just going to give, uh, give a little introduction to who our special guest is for the for this episode, episode iPhone X. <laughs> <laughs> With over a million views on her viral poetry videos and 150 plus campus, campuses performed at Nationwide, Teresa Siangatonu's powerful work as a queer Samoan artist and activist has granted her opportunities to perform and speak in places ranging from the White House to the UN Conference on Climate Change in Paris, France. A recipient of President Obama's Champion of Change Award for her community work as a spoken word poet leader in her Pacific Islander community, Teresa's writing blends the personal, cultural, educational, and political in a way that calls for healing, courage, justice, and truth. Her work has been published in Poetry Magazine and featured on Button Poetry, CNN, NBC News, NPR, Huffington Post, Everyday Feminism, The Guardian, and BuzzFeed. That's dope, (laughs) y'all. Offstage, Teresa utilizes her decade of experience as a nationally ranked poetry slam competitor, coach, and teaching artist to lead dynamic writing and performance workshops in classrooms, conferences, and community spaces on both a national and international level. With a master's degree in marriage family therapy, Teresa aims to use her background as a mental health clinician and poet as a bridge for transformative healing through storytelling and creative expression. Ladies and gentlemen, folks near and far, please give a big welcome, a big For the Cultures welcome to Teresa Siangatonu. Hey, 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 Tom, cue that music, dog. Cue that music. We're going to have some applause (laughs) in there and stuff. What's up, Risa Boo? Hi. Thank you for being here. Of course. Thank you for sacrificing your time to, you know, give to to the airways and be here for us. It really means a lot. You know, it it truly is not a sacrifice. Um, There are very few people in my life who I would drop everything for and do anything for. And you are one of them, Danny Boy. And so when you asked me if I would be willing to 
uh, step in just for this week, uh, more than happy to always come through, have you back, especially on something as special as for the culture podcast. I've been listening to y'all since y'all started, and I'm just honored to be here on air as a guest co-host, but also really excited. <laughs> I'm hella <laughs> to just excited. Chop it up, right? Yeah. It's like we chopping it up, like we always do. Yes, right via FaceTime, tweets, text. Mm-hmm. You know, in the car or whatever. But now we like in front of microphones. Right, right. We're not just <laughs> sharing it with the world. We're not just acquaintances. The literal, literally, the only difference is that there's a microphone in between us and stuff. Right, right. <laughs> and I'm honored to be here. Thank you, thank you for that read of my bio. A few things I would love to point out is um, definitely performed at the White House during the Obama administration. I hope that was clear. <laughs> right. Um, and you know, as you were reading. When I was the recipient of President Obama's Champion and Change Award, it was in a huge reason because of you, Danny Boy. You helped record the video that oh. I submitted for the competition. It was the What's Your Story competition through the White House Initiative on Asian Americans, Pacific Islanders. And you filmed my submission. Yeah. And it was the very reason why I was even a candidate, why I was even... Um, one of the folks that they chose. And so thank you so much for the opportunity. Absolutely. I'm always here for you too. You know, I got your back like a baby's car seat. Don't even trip. <laughs> Bruh. Am I the baby facing like away from traffic? Or what? Away. I- away from as safe as can be. I got you. We're all about harm oh, reduction man. here. Word, word. Nah, word. thank you very much for... I. I I completely forgot about that video, and I remember it vividly. We shot it at Carson High School. Yes. Remember that? Oh, of course, of course. Shout out to Carson High School. Man, shout out to LA in general. LA, what is a special place in my heart. I lived and worked there, and went to school there, and I met you there. Right. And so I can't overstate enough how much you mean to me because you have been a part of my life, and our friendship has been a part of my life for a very long time, including when I was first coming up. And developing myself as a poet, as an artist, as a leader in our community. And I learned so much just from being friends with you over these years. And so, yeah, shout out to what L.A. has done in bringing us together and, and being home in the Bay, because that's where we're from. <laughs> uh, still wrecking shit. And so <laughs> it feels I'm, good. I mean, we was, you know, always just having hella love for each other because we're from the Bay and mm-hmm. we was in L.A. And I feel like... You were a, a a big part of my journey too. You know, we met when I um I think we both got to LA around two thousand nine, two thousand ten, mm-hmm. and that's when we when, when uh, we became acquainted. And I think just from that moment on, the first time I met you, the first day, you know, you were this um, woman who walked into the room, had this presence about her. I believe you shared your lifeline. Mm-hmm. And you just stood there and owned the fact that you were a queer woman, queer Samoan woman. Mm-hmm. And I had never seen that before. And just, you know, I I think at that time I had what was like done with suppressing my my feelings, right, of, of wanting to explore my identity as, as a gay man, right, or just even yeah. experience um, what that all means, you know, because I think I've suppressed it and shut it off for a long time. So to be in the space with you and to hear you say that, I just like, you know, those moments in movies and TV shows where like you're like elevated and they've got the white light shining behind you and like you're an angel type. Oh, I'm the angel? (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, it was just like this moment of like, wow, I didn't know this kind of unicorn existed, right? Or like this, this. Uh, Go on. I was just, <laughs> I was just so inspired and so overwhelmed, and like wanted to, wanted to connect with you and maybe even share. You know, I remember this moment specifically too. The same time I was creating my lifeline and I was, you know, just trying to explore my identity. And I was like, well, shit, if she's strong enough to do it, you know, I she just inspired me. I'm going to, you know, just share that I have an attraction towards men. And I wrote it down on the, the lifeline. And then as it got, you know, as people started going, I, had, I didn't go yet. I was thinking about it and thinking about it and I crossed it out. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to share that. But just that moment, you know, it was uh, it was the moment we met, the moment I was inspired, and we went through the whole journey together. Mm-hmm. And just something that you've said in uh, the poem that you performed, uh, I believe it was in D.C., yeah, the one about education. Mm-hmm. You say, and I I know I used this at your graduation party too, but you you say that education is like healing the wounded and nobody deserves to heal more than you do. Mm-hmm. And I just want to say that you have always been a big part of my healing. Mm-hmm. And so that's it, it really just means a lot to have you here. And I'm honored as well, too, to have you on this platform, to share this platform with you. Thank so you thanks so for much. being here. Thanks, D-Boy. All this love. All this love. Yeah, that day was special for me. I, it's funny. It's a trip because, you know, just this past week we had National Coming Out Day. It's mm-hmm. every October 11th of every year. And so um, on that day, someone else in our family that was at that round table reached out to me saying that when I came out in my Lifeline activity, at that activity that you're mentioning, um, that also helped give them the courage to come out too. And I just remembered Word. feeling so honored <laughs> to know that, um, but also remembering that man it was a lot of people who came out before me that also helped me come out Mm. you know like me coming out in that activity that was like 2010 I had just came out to my family the year before so it was like a fresh thing for me too I was still nervous Mm -hmm. coming out to even y'all even even as accepting as that roundtable session was I was like you know because we never just come out and stay out right right you know as queer folks as as folks that don't fit on this binary of you know who we're supposed to be all the time. We don't just come out once, you know, we're we come constant. out time yeah. and time again. Mm-hmm. And we struggle with coming out to all these other issues <laughs> that are waiting for us outside the closet, so to mm-hmm. speak, you know, that we're still trying to traverse and maneuver through. And so I think about that day a lot of like, man, I wasn't, I may have been there, you know, sharing my life, but that was also a risk I was taking around. Like, man, is my is, are my people still going to accept me? I hope they are. And, I've been so thankful to know that, that that's always been the case uh, as we've been, you know, moving through our friendship Word. as community leaders for and, our people. And that's real as fuck, too, right? Like, just are my people going to accept it? You know, are, are mm-hmm. they going to accept this part of me? Mm-hmm. That's something that I constantly think about, especially when entering a space with, like, young folks or elders. You know, it's like, is it safe for me to own who I am in this space or is it not, right? And really having the the power to make that decision for myself, you know, to be safe. All the time. It's a, it's literally a moment to moment decision. Right. Even now, I think it, it, it'll be that way for the rest of my life. And mm-hmm. 
but the difference between me coming out, newly coming out, and not having a sense of who my support systems are or whatnot, and me being out now, is that I, I believe I'm in a place where I can afford the consequences of being out, and I know where to turn, and I know who's there, and I know how to get support, um, as opposed to like a young person or someone who's still struggling with understanding their identity and not sure who's going to be there when they fully step into their entire self. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I, I, I'm at a place in my life where I'm like, yeah, I can afford to be out. I can afford to write these poems about being queer. I can afford to speak on this topic freely without risk of being disowned. Yeah. Um, and, and that brings me to, to the, to the uh, series that we're doing this month. Right, where we're talking about relationships. Mm -hmm. um, and this week we wanted to focus on relationships that we have or that we hold um, as queer folks. Yep. Right. And so that's something that we're going to get into today. Um, but as we're having this conversation, you know, it made me think about the post that we posted up on our Instagram um, on National uh, Coming Out Day. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to read it out loud, you know, on the, on the podcast to dedicate it to, you know, those who are listening, um, whether you're queer or not queer or an ally or someone who has queer folks in your family, you know, just to be mindful of. And even for those who, you know, have been thinking about it. Mm -hmm. um, this post also really made me think about one of our previous episodes that we had with uh, one of our listeners, uh, Malosi. Uh, I remember. Remember, remember Malosi's story? Yes. And that person's story is just always on our mind and in our heart. And so we really, you know, we really cherish the c connection that we've made. And we just want you to know that we're thinking about you, Malosi. Mm. And so this post says, National Coming Out Day. Shout out to those who came out. To those who came out and were shunned by those closest to them or for just being who they are. To those who came out and were forced back into the closet. Mm -hmm. Shout out to those who couldn't come out. To those who aren't ready to come out. Mm -hmm. To those who are too afraid to come out. To those who were forced into coming out. To those who were outed by someone they trusted. Mm -hmm. And to those who must keep quiet on this day. We just want to uplift y'all, mm -hmm. all our peoples out there, because, you know, as you said, Risa, it, it's a risk. Mm -hmm. It's a risk that folks take. So, yeah. yeah. And I really appreciated the way y'all worded that post and were intentional about, you know, it's not just a one-time thing and it's not always a celebration either. <laughs> right. Right. And right. especially as queer people of color, queer young people of color, um, yeah, we have to negotiate a lot. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, what is, what are the consequences? Um, who will be there for me, mm -hmm. if anyone? You know, and so, yeah. Shout out to Malosi. Shout out to everyone who, um, you know, maybe struggling with coming out or feel alone and whatnot. Um, I really, really hope you hear and believe that we got you, and um, you got people here. <laughs> yeah. And you have us here. Yeah. You have myself. You have Bex. Um, yes. Maybe even Teresa. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. mm -hmm. 
Um, but if you want to, you know, shoot us a line, drop us a drop us a line. Go ahead and um, hit us up at our email. It's for the cultures with a Q and an S at gmail.com. Our inbox is always open for you. Uh, shout out to those who have been emailing us. Uh, we've received your emails, and if we haven't responded yet, we are going to get to it. Um, but we just really are very thankful for a lot of the love and recognition that um, folks are sharing with us. You know, it really means a lot to have y'all a part of this journey with us because we have no guidance, right? Like, we're just, we just know that we wanted to create this platform and have these conversations to share um, and to engage with everyone. And so thank y'all for being on board and really just tapping in with us. You know, it's it's either y'all have no guidance or y'all are guided by the ancestors to the Word. hundredth power. <laughs> Word. Uh, that's how I feel. I feel a very visceral, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> ancestral pull when I listen to the, the podcast, honestly, because um, obviously this isn't done overnight. Um, and something in us, some something in our mana pushes us to get past our insecurities or mm. our fear or doubt of like, well, what if it doesn't go well? Right. Or what if no one supports? It's like, but you still do it anyways. Right. Like, we have these hiccups, but, you know, like, what is it going to be? And Bex and I are constantly, you know, like supporting one another. Like, oh, man, I sounded so stupid in that episode. Or, man, man. I, I didn't cover this. or I didn't talk about this. And, and, like, it's either one of us, you know, supporting each other. Like, look, we're doing the best we can. Mm-hmm. You know, like, we didn't go to school for this. We didn't train for this. We're just doing it, and mm-hmm. we're going to figure it out, right? All the way back to episode one, right? Just do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just do it. Yeah, yeah, and and stop those automatic thoughts, those negative automatic thoughts, and and remember to to say other things like, actually, we do have what it takes. Actually, right. we have life experience. Actually, we're the best people for this job. Um, we just didn't get the opportunity until we made it for ourselves, and so that's what I think of when I think of this podcast and what, what y'all have created for yourself. Um that either y'all didn't have guidance or you had you had the power of our ancestors right. being like, here you go. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> it's for the cultures. It's for the cultures. So. Yeah. so as always, you know, we have our segments. Uh, we have our bruh, yes. which is, you know, our check-in for the week, you know, what's really on our heart. Um, and then we go into our ICUs. Um, mm-hmm. And I believe, you know, uh, Teresa, while you're here, this segment, ICU was created because it it reminded me of when you you spoke one of the time the many times I've seen you speak mm-hmm. and you talked about how the word respect mm. you know is to see someone over and over again mm-hmm. um and so to say I see you is to say that I respect you wow yeah and so you know this is just us highlighting our folks in our community that are you know doing what they do mm-hmm. doing the best that they can do being their excellent selves in all of the shortcomings and um, imperfections and perfections, you know, mm-hmm. like it's really how we define our excellence. Yep. Um, so it's to recognize our PI people because there's not often a space or a time where we see that happening, you know, other than like if it's on the football field. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like it, like we out here, we really doing a lot of great work. Yeah. And so we need to acknowledge and recognize our peoples. We contain multitudes. <laughs> we are multi-talented, you know, <laughs> like we got plenty. Yeah. Um, And then after our breath section, we go into our chop it up, which is, you know, 
we're going to talk about the relationship thing. Hey. So we're going to get into it, y'all. So, bruh. Bruh. Is it bruh or bruh? Is it bruh? Uh, it's bruh for me. I, I, we spell it B-R-U-H. Okay, that's how I spell it. Yeah, I don't know. How do you feel about folks like when it's spelled B R E H? It's like Brett. I feel like that's our um, East Bay siblings. <laughs> they be like Brett, Brett, and Brett. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, but Brett, Brett. Uh, How was your week, D boy? Or you know what? I hate that question. It's so loaded. It is. How was your week? How is your day? How was work? Yeah, that shit's loaded. I would reframe that and just say, what is something important that you want to, that's coming up for you that you want to share with us about your week? Word. Um, I think something that is really on my heart that I wanted to share is that uh, last month, September was uh, Suicide Prevention Month. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm the co-chair of the Pacific Islander Initiative um, that's a health equity initiative through San Mateo County. Right. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to um, put out this portrait series that is um, focused around suicide prevention in, in the Pacific Islander community. And while we were doing this, um, you know, just taking a lot of the uh, the voices from our community, from our event that happened earlier in April, mm-hmm. we had a suicide prevention event. We took a lot of the voices from folks about what suicide prevention could look like for our community, Mm -hmm. and we turned it into messaging. Mm -hmm. And so what we did is we went and photographed uh, folks from the community, you know, to have these uh, portraits of themselves with folks that look like us, um, with messaging that's uh, focused or, like, directed towards you know, us. Mm-hmm. And sounded like it was us talking. Too. It sounded like us. Yeah, it sounded like it was us talking. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we put together, you know, these beautiful images of our people. Um, and we even used our own languages. I saw that, um, yeah. You know, within the messaging. And honestly, like, creating those images and creating those uh, those pieces, it was a way for me to focus on something... That was work, but more creative because I was in a weird space. Mm-hmm. You know, September was full of uh, funerals mm-hmm. because so many folks had passed away in August. Um, and it was just a way to work through a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so while doing this and just while going through all of the all of the motions, um, I had hit a low point where you know, everything was just crashing down. It felt like everything was crashing. I was having a really hellish week mm-hmm. last week. And I was talking to, I remember talking to about three folks last week. Um, and, and during our conversations, you know, it was, it was heavy on my heart to share with them what I was going through. And it was because of those uh, suicide prevention portraits that, we created that I was able to share with them what was really on my heart. Right. And I was telling, so I opened up to, um, to a good friend of ours, Mm -hmm. uh, Bola, Mm. um, to Bex Mm -hmm. 
and to uh, my co-chair, Sue. Um, and I was able to share with them that I just been really low and was having uh, thoughts of suicide. Mm -hmm. You know, just like, and I was telling them like, I'm not thinking about a plan or anything. You know what I mean? I'm just, it's crossed my mind where it's like, what's the point of even living? Mm -hmm. Right? Or like, I could do these different things that would eventually lead to to my demise, to my death, right? And just uh, being able to share that with them and say it out loud, it did a lot because, um, you know, then we were able to have the conversation. Mm -hmm. And it was really from thinking about what those messages were that we created that were from our people, mm -hmm. you know? And just thinking about those images really pushed me to to share it with those who were close to me because that's what we're saying in the messaging, mm -hmm. right? Like one of them, <clears throat> one of them is actually my own words in a text message thread um, between Bola and myself. Mm. And it, uh, the message reads, Dear Tua Fafine, which is dear sister from coming from a brother. You could never bother me. Hearing your voice could save my life. Please continue to check in with me. I'll be better at reaching out when I'm in a dark place. Mm -hmm. Right? And so there's plenty of... Uh... Sorry, I'm sweating over here. <laughs> there's plenty of um, beautiful images and great messages mm -hmm. that I think I didn't realize could also serve a purpose for me, right? Like I thought my purpose was to create the images, put these things together, put it out there for the community. Mm -hmm. But because I was thinking, having those thoughts myself, and I thought about, I thought about the content that was created, it was like, yo, I need to take a dose of, you know, that, that same medicine, because it's for me too. Mm -hmm. And so being able to share that with Bola, Bex and Sue, I was able to share that with, you know, um, my mom and my grandma. And we were just, you know, out to dinner having conversation. And it was, I didn't want them to be alarmed. You know, it was just telling them that it's it's something that, you know, definitely crossed my mind with just all this stuff, you know, the transition of um, being independent, you know, out in LA and mm -hmm. then coming home and being a full-time son being a full-time uncle, brother, grandson, you know, it's just like, oh my gosh, how do I do this again? How do I exist in this? Because I haven't had to exist in it 24-7. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think that's something that has been, um, that's that's been important to me because of just the whole, like, journey, you know, like yeah. creating the content and then con consuming it myself, mm -hmm. you know, to help me and Heal me. Thank you so much, D-Boy, for sharing exactly like the different turns in which all of this came up for you as you were a, the point person for this campaign, essentially. And I feel a little out of breath. <laughs> take it. Take Take a breath. <laughs> I got you. Um, what a gift it is, it is for us. Um your vulnerability, what a gift your vulnerability is for the rest of us. 
um, who love you and who see you and who need you to know that even amidst how strong of a leader you are in our community, you also are afforded the chance to not be okay sometimes and not have to be this strong son, leader, advocate, uncle all the time. It's so much. That transition from L.A. was not easy. <laughs> you know, it's still something you're adjusting to. Mm -hmm. And so I can only imagine being the point person for a campaign around suicide awareness while also struggling with your own heavy, heavy thoughts, um, what that was running up against, right? And so, and, and in, in the same breath, those who are the best for getting the word out about suicide awareness and any kind of trauma-related um, awareness are, are typically those of us who have experienced it firsthand, mm. who, who, you know, like know what it's like to get to a place of hopelessness that it's hard to see a light. <laughs> it's right. hard to remember you got a village of people who love you, who support you, who are rooting for you. That is all noise when you feel like you don't want to get up from this hole. And mm. I'm speaking from experience too, right? And I'm mm. not I'm not just speaking out of nowhere. Um, as someone who has also struggled with getting to a point where my the medication I was on was not helping. Mm -hmm. um, therapy was not helping. And I still got to a place of helplessness of like, I don't want to be here mm -hmm. anymore. And so, so what a gift it is um, to, you know, as you were sharing your story, you had five people that you could at least touch base with about like, look, this is coming up for me. I don't have a plan, but I needed you to know. Mm -hmm. you know and I'm so glad that they were there to hold you. I'm so glad. Man, like I, I wish all of us had that in our life where people who get to that place could, they had five people they could call on. I'm so glad that you did. I'm so, so, so happy. And so, and, and I would argue to say that, you know, Suicide Awareness Month is every month, everybody. Okay, every day. Every day. Happy Suicide Awareness Month again. It's October. Right, right. <laughs> Man. And, and, and I think that's something that we are, I think suicide prevention is something that we really want to focus on because yes. it is not just a month, right? It's like year round. It's that and prevent preventative care, preventative, preventative care. work, Word. is literally the difference between saving a life and 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 the worst case scenario, right? And so, right. the work you do in your committee and and in the campaign is so necessary. I I peeped that ca campaign; it was on my newsfeed, and it's so powerful. I think that's also the power of art. I would argue right. to say that's art. That's, right. That was an artistic display of visual, you know, connectedness of like, man, this is speaking to me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> this text message, this this um, image of this Pacific Islander looking back at me as I'm struggling. Um, I needed to see this. I didn't know I needed to see this until I did. And you helped make that happen. And so I'm really thankful for that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's a whole lot of breath. <laughs> That's that, you know, I think the breath too is like we, we we exaggerate it because we just need that moment to like blow that shit out, right? Mm -hmm. Breathe. Mm -hmm. um, because it often feels like we can't. Yes. You know. And also, you know, it's a whole lot of breath because it's necessary, but not because it's heavy. And I want to make that difference because. Sometimes we try to, we self-critique like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, I know that was a lot on you. It's like, no, nah, it actually wasn't a lot because 
anything you share with me that you're struggling with will never be as heavy for me as it is for you. So I Word. have the capacity to hold it. And suicide and, and the, the things that lead us to contemplate it, depression, anxiety, all these things um, are just too common to treat like it's heavy anymore. It's like, mm-hmm. no, we live in a very, really peculiar time in in life, in society, in the world where, man, I would be shocked if I met someone who wasn't struggling or experiencing these issues. Right. And so right. it's way better to um, feel like you got community, to be open about it and not treat it as like too much and just recognize it as what it is and like, okay, this is the work. This is who we are as a people and we got to support each other. It is so the, I got you. It is that, right? Because I think if it wasn't for the images, if it wasn't for that messaging, and I also I will be honest too, is that I mean, thank you for sharing that you're speaking from a place of experience because it was also that for me. Um, because there's so much with that that like the thought of you know you not being here, being mm-hmm. around, you know, just really it's really uh, devastating to to think and. And to think that, you know, I, don't, I mean, I, I guess, you know, people get in a space where it's like, oh, my gosh, I should have done more. I should have been there. I could have done this. I could have done that. But what you're saying about, like, not being in that, being in that space where, you know, you have all the support or whatever, but none of that shit matters when you're in that dark place. It's like, yeah, it's like, oh, you know what that's like. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to hear anything. And so just hearing, like, just ha- just having these positive messages of, like, you know, addressing. And we're addressing everybody in this um, in this series, in this portrait series. We're addressing the pastors, mm-hmm. the faith leaders. Mm-hmm. We're addressing parents. We're addressing, you know, brothers and sisters and that relationship. We're addressing, you know, our teachers, our community. Mm-hmm. Um to just reach out, you know, that like to to express the fact that we care. Mm-hmm. You know, that we at the at the root of everything, we we have love for one another and that's what's important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think all of that coupled allowed me to have that courage to be able to share with those folks because normally I probably wouldn't have done it. You know, like that wasn't the only time I've had those thoughts, right? Mm-hmm. Like I've had to sit with those by myself before and it's like it's hard. But, Absolutely. But just to be, you know, like just to share it with them and and, ha- and not have it treated as like, oh my gosh, we need to tippy toe around, tippy toe around you or get you some help or commit you or something, right? Like, no, I just want to express how I'm feeling mm-hmm. for you to hear me out and like help me process, mm-hmm. right? Like that's just that's just all I wanted, you know. And so, yeah, yeah. That's, that's my brother. Thank you. Thank you. My brother for the week. It's been a particularly busy week where I've been really exhausted after every day. Just, you know, right now I'm currently gearing up um, to be on tour for the rest of the year, Just which just means... Um, traveling the country and in some parts out of the country, um, sharing my poetry, 
teaching poetry and whatnot. And so lining up the shows and whatnot has been um, really great and also exhausting because I'm doing it mostly on my own, um, just hustling, you know. And so amidst all of that, so much of the world around me, I feel, um, is very chaotic. And something that I'm sitting with a lot was is inspired, I, I would say, by the um, decision around um, allowing Brett Kavanaugh to mm. sit on the Supreme Court. Dum, and, dum, dum. and it was interesting because that was all unfolding. The Judiciary Committee, who had the power to decide whether or not it would be taken to a Senate vote of whether or not Kavanaugh would sit on here as he was being accused of sexually assaulting Dr. Ford. Mm -hmm. For those of you all who um, may not have caught all of what unfolded, as I was watching and keeping up to date with it, my family um, was visiting from New Zealand, from Aotearoa and Australia. And as we were all together watching it on C-SPAN, they had questions about America that I've never really had to talk about because I've been so used to living in a society that perpetuates rape culture, that perpetuates patriarchy, mm-hmm. that perpetuates violence against women. Uh, that I like to verbalize with my co- with my little nieces who are like eleven years old and in eleventh grade, two of them, and my cousin who is their mom. Um, Things about what America stands for and we what we value um, was pretty humiliating um, mm. to admit to be like yeah, mm-hmm. um, you know like <laughs> this is what we stand for as a country as we you know allow for decisions like this to happen and right. as we exist under the current presidential president administration um, and it made me physically sick so everything around. This decision made me physically sick as a woman, as a queer woman of color, as someone who continuously day in and day out thinks about how to go about my life and what to wear so that I can lessen the chance of being assaulted. What, mm. When I should um, come home at a decent hour because I live in a place where it's fine but and I feel fine in my neighborhood, but as a woman, I'm always hyper vigilant of shit like that. And mm-hmm. it gets exhausting, but it got downright depressing um, as this was happening. Right. right. Because it was just like a really big fuck you (laughs) into the face of like, not only just women, I would say, but like our entire country of like, damn, like this is who we are. Um, And it also fired me up. (laughs) I would say Mm -hmm. I'm also like, nope, that's, this is not the legacy we leave (laughs) for our future babies. Like this is not, how this ends. And so I'm way more fired up to get back to work around organizing our people and organizing our communities. Um, something that's been really passionate, that's been a really bra moment th- just this week, is I live I live in Oakland. I live on East 14th, um, which is also known as International Boulevard. And but it'll always be E one four. Yes, if you if you from the Bay, if you from the Bay, you know. Okay, I live close to Taco Sinaloa. Anyways, <laughs> but I live on what California and the country regards as one of the highest um, areas of sex trafficking and human trafficking. 
that there's a lot of wi- uh. there's a lot of women, a lot of girls um, exploited daily um, for sex work, and that that's like the moment I step out of my apartment, it's right there across the street. Like the moment I go anywhere, come home, it, it, it's just rampant mm-hmm. to the point where forget about going to the police because the police are also implicit in right, right. in keeping the sex trafficking going in that neighborhood. And so what I've been just personally doing on my own, just some really um, preliminary Google searching of like, I was like, let, who is doing the work here in this community um, so that I could be more informed? Because I know as someone who is from the Bay and, but is not from Oakland, who is perpetuating gentrification by living where I live and paying what I pay and affording what I can afford to 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 essentially perpetuate gentrification of the area I live in, I know I can't keep living there if I don't contribute to the community, if I don't if I'm not invested in in the community. And so mm-hmm. something that I re- I just recently signed up for like 2 days ago was um there's these free trainings that offer to the community on um being more informed on human and sex trafficking that are led by survivors of sex trafficking. Survivors from Oakland who were sex trafficked on East 14th. And so it's a five workshop series that happens um, throughout the Saturdays of this month through November. And I signed up for the two that, um, that work in my schedule and I'm excited. I'm excited to attend. I'm excited to get down with the work and in, in a lot of ways, maybe like a little, like in an indirect way, this is connected to the Kavanaugh decision. <laughs> this yeah. is connected to protecting, you know, women and ending sexual assault and, and combating and eliminating rape culture. I'm not in this place where I believe we can reform this. Some things need to downright end mm-hmm. <laughs> and something new needs to be rebuilt. And I I know the closest I can get to that is being on the ground with those who were who have been impacted most and learn from them and learn in these workshops and be a student again for a cause that I know, I don't know very much about, but I really want to know. So, wow. yeah. That, I mean, thank you. You know, thank you for um, acknowledging your, I don't know, would you call that priv- priv- your privileges? Yes, my, I very much so. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for acknowledging your privileges and just the ways you um, perpetuate, you know, this, this form of gentrification, but how you, but how you, you know, not make up for it, but how you play your part in giving back to where you are because you're a part of that community and not like you're just trying to live there and change everything up to fit your, mm-hmm. your needs and your rights, right? But like to, to be a part of something bigger than yourself. And I, and I think that's dope that those organizers offer Trainings like that, right? It makes me think about a lot of the, mm-hmm. the teachings that exist, right, about different topics and discussions or, or just different, um, yeah, different issues. That's exactly, that's actually essentially what this is, is right. a teaching. It's a teaching. Um, just free teachings, like free for the community, right? And so. To know what's happening in your neighborhood. Yeah. And it also sparked me needing to know who the hell I'll vote for in the midterm elections coming up, right? And so, Word. and I live in a county that I haven't voted in for um, yet because I, I didn't vote last year when I because I wasn't living there, but now I do. So I just I'm just trying to be more informed, you know, mm-hmm. trying to be more proactive of well, my place <laughs> and right. where I'm situated, both in the world and my neighborhood. 
all things. We got we got to be politically engaged. You know what I mean? Like for our cultures, <laughs> do to, our part. Yeah. To do our part and to stop these. Gosh, just to 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 try to stop a lot of this bullshit that's mm-hmm. you know really consuming. I mean, I really feel you when you say you're disgusted by having to explain what America stands on, right? What America is. And how I'm, yeah, because the rest of the world is watching us, watching us make these big decisions, watching our current lead, quote unquote, leader lead right. us. What a disgrace we are. <laughs> you Absolutely. Know? Um, and so, but I do also believe, firmly believe in the power of the people. And so. A lot of us are drawing the hardest line right now, saying enough is enough. Enough is enough. Yeah. Word. We got to get out there and vote, y'all. We got to yeah. do it for the cultures. We strike at dawn. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> and uh, when when is it? Is it November 6th? Get out yes. and vote? Yes, yes. November 6th, y'all. Mm-hmm. If you haven't registered in your community yet, please do so. Mm-hmm. I believe there's cutoffs, right? Y- yes, you better check your, so <laughs> your check, deadlines. Check your deadlines and make sure you get out there and vote, y'all. And it's so easy to register. Literally Google register to vote and it'll pull up a site, honestly. It's Word. The, you could do it on your phone, like two minutes. Word. I have a question though I wanted um, that came to mind when you were talking about like taking those um, those free trainings yes. from the organizers around sex trafficking. Um, does that does that include like, you know, um, women out who are out there being pimped? Yes. You know, like is that is that yes. sex trafficking too? Like, yep. That it's it's exactly them. It's exactly okay. Yeah, Because yeah, you yeah. know, I think like for me, when I think of sex trafficking, I think of like, you know, I'm a movie buff, so sorry, I always correlate things with movies, but it makes me think about like Taken, right? Like how women are abducted and stolen and you know, put through a lot of this torture just to, you know, just to be yep. sold off, you know, as sex slaves. It, and it's so complex in that way that it's, it's yes. And it's, 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 <laughs> it's exactly what you're and saying. More. And it's more, mm. it's, it's, you know, girls who started out um, being, ab- they could have been abducted and they have been in this for years that they've gotten to a place where it is seen from the outside in, and it may look like sex work that they themselves feel empowered to do, but they've been exploited for so long right. that it that that amount of impact has warped, you know, um, that understanding of what it is. But but that's exactly what it is. And I've also learned. Um, I mean, I, I still have so much to learn, and so I I say all this with a grain of salt as I prepare to go to these trainings, mm-hmm. essentially. Um, that they 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 don't even say pimp. I I I said pimp too, but they call them traffickers or traffic like mm. people who traffic. Mm-hmm. Um, and so and I don't and I want to know the understanding around that too because I don't I didn't know the difference. And so there's so much to it, you know. And it's and it's like right here. Like there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot to be said about world like worldwide. Word, um, word. And how this is an industry. Yeah. That the economy depends on sex exploitation mm-hmm. worldwide. Asia's economy would collapse <laughs> if they ended human trafficking. Mm. Such And so would ours, mm-hmm. I would say. That nothing in this system is broken. It is doing exactly what it was designed to do mm-hmm. <laughs> at the expense of the most marginalized and most oppressed, right? And so it, it's just it's functioning just as, as normal. <laughs> um, because the alternative, if you ended this, if, if we truly wanted to end this as a people, 
entire economy would collapse. Mm. Same with, I would say, same with the pharmaceutical industry with Word. drugs. Word. You know, what was it? I think Chris Rock was like, it's not the government. The government isn't saying they want you to stop doing drugs. They just want you to do their drugs. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, everything's and, uh, working as planned. Yeah. You know mm-hmm. So. So yeah. <laughs> I feel like we need to like just take deep breath after that, you know, because <laughs> gosh, I mean, even the conversation around like sexual violence, you know, and just thinking about Dr. Ford and mm-hmm. having to relive and restate and all of the attention and, you know, it's just like, it's, mm-hmm. it's disgusting. And then it, and then it makes me think about like how prevalent sexual violences in our community, right? I was just about to veer it to, so let's look inward. Yeah, let's look inward. How this impacts our community. I remember having, getting hella activated as I was watching all this unfold on C-SPAN because uh, my father, who I love very, very much, is a Republican and he is a retired U.S. Army veteran. Um, And I know firmly because of that he's a Republican and because of that he's a patriot to this country in that way because he immigrated here with the belief that, you know, like he's serving his country and he would do anything for this country no matter who the leader is. Even as it (laughs) impacts, you know, the constant arguments that come up in our own household, that even as he was, you know, essentially taking a side with defending you know, the Kavanaugh being um, questioned by mm. Dr. Ford and whatnot. And that's, it's hella activating when, you know, like, and, and I've always known that, you know, the revolution truly starts at home and truly, yeah. you know, that the real work is off stage, mm-hmm. off cameras when you're with off your people, right? When you're yeah. with your people and you're going toe to toe. When you're at the dinner table. Mm-hmm. Mm. The holidays are coming around. Okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so... Me and my dad, we constantly get into it um, because no, because no, no, no. Like right. it is like gone are the days where we are just casual about rape culture. We are just casual mm-hmm. about boys will be boys. No, 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 no. Right. Um, and I've still, I'm still learning how to finesse that approach with not just my dad, but our OGs, mm-hmm. our elders in our community of like, how do I? Because my dad's not the only one. Right. He's not the only Republican someone right. in our community. I mean, um, and it's not even a Republican thing. I know I keep saying Republican as a us versus them thing. It's not even that. It's when we really, really think and look at our core values. Is this something we value? Do mm-hmm. we value the fact that someone comes forward with being sexually assaulted and we ignore her and we say, "Oh, but he," right. you know, like. They're, she's just she getting asked away. for it right she asked for it or she was wearing so. so strip away political affiliations and if we just look at our values and I think that's hard for my dad to admit of like he doesn't value mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. but but he's also so tied to his patriotism in a way that the US military would would make any of our our, our Samoan veterans feel like mm. like it's betrayal if they go against believing right. that right and so and that's and that's so real, you know, because I think when putting out these kinds of um, critical thoughts, you know, uh, I have so many. There's like so many people who uh, I'm friends with on like Facebook, and that's where I get into a lot of trouble, or not trouble, but just these debates. 
or these conversations, you know, and, and a lot of the young Samoan folks who, you know, are currently or have served in the military always come back with, like, a lot of those same sentiments about, like, you know, just being patriotic and, and saying stupid shit, mm-hmm. you know, about, like, how... God, I can't even think of it, but just, just saying stupid shit mm-hmm. like that. And it's like... Gosh, you, you know, you, you find yourself in this web of, like, engaging in those conversations. And, and I think even to the point of, like, you and your dad butting heads, and it's like, how how do you all land? How do we, Where do we land with this conversation, right? Like, how do we bring it to a rest if, is it, is it okay to just agree to disagree? No. No. Right? Like, what, yeah. how do we land that? That's a, oh, man, that's the. That's the question, That's right? the million-dollar question, huh? It is. And, you know, something I have to continue reminding myself of is that what the entire point of, of oppression, of any kind of oppression, is to hope that we don't interrogate the system, the systemic oppression that we experience, and that instead we interrogate each other. Mm. That the hope is that we keep it eye for an eye and we keep it at this level of, well, now I'm mad at my dad and now my dad's mad at me and now there's tension between us and now our relationship is altered. That mm. is the hope, is that we keep going at each other on Facebook, that we keep going at each other over social media, that we keep saying, well, F you for supporting the military or F you for being anti-Samoan or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, but, but... And that's what I mean by like the system's working exactly as it as it it wants to work. That we're not coming together to interrogate. Well, wh- wait a minute. Like there's something going on that's bigger than us right now. Right. That's that's causing this turmoil. Mm-hmm. That's making it so that we're not having each other's back. Because I would argue to say that we all agree that we want peace. We all agree that we want justice. We all agree that we want love. Mm-hmm. That's what I would argue to say. I I don't think that's far far fetched. Not at all. But the our ways in which we get there get difficult because we have different opinions and things like that. But the hope I always feel is like, well, I don't. I'm not trying to lose my dad. <laughs> I'm not trying to right. lose that relationship with my dad. Right. So I will bow out because I know how I can get. I know I can get so activated that if I keep engaging, it's it's like beating a dead horse. Like it's mm-hmm. not. It's not. It's not worth jeopardizing my relationship with him. And I love him too much, so I will pull back. And go back to the drawing board, talk with you or other friends about how we can approach this again with our people and then come back again. Like just keep, this is just the, keep trying. This right? is a long game. Like yeah. I, I plan on having my dad for the rest of my life. Right. <laughs> Not just today. Right. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, if that's the if this is a marathon of mm-hmm. sorts, then I need to pace myself. You know, I need yeah. to pace, you know, and there it may be a chance that like they never alter their beliefs, that they're always gonna believe what they believe. That's that's the challenge. Fine. Okay. Then I need to figure out a more creative way back into the conversation. Maybe the back door. Maybe throw a window. Maybe something and, sh- and continue to question and ask questions and pose scenarios like what? that make it hard for them. That make it so that they can't they can't oppose the truth mm-hmm. because these aren't. I I don't ever come to him with just opinions of mine. I'm like no. The, these are these facts. Are facts. Like, I got receipts. Right, right. Check it out. Right, rape <laughs> culture has a history, you know, of not believing women, of, of not believing survivors of sexual assault. Right. I, I didn't just make that up. Right. 
And so who are, who are we as a people if we turn our eye to that? Who are we as a people if we don't talk about it? Mm-hmm. Who are we as people if we just pray it away right. <laughs> um, oh. and just pretend like, well, let's just keep, keep it in God's hands. Yeah, that and we actually got to we got to act. I don't think do some work. Yeah, I don't believe I don't I no longer believe that Pacific Islanders have the luxury to just sit back and not be part of the dialogue and not be part of the decision making and not be part of I never believed that in the first place but I for sure don't believe it now (laughs) (laughs) you got the foot down I'm like oh wait 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 we it's getting worse before it gets better you know and so and it can only get better if we're all really actively engaged like there's no more I'm gonna take a back seat to this it's like nah we need you I need you I need my Pacific Islander brothers I need everybody (laughs) you know what I mean yeah it takes all of us right to to really push the movement and to change to change the way in which we operate, to flip, you know, if we can't flip the bigger system on its back, at least flip the system we have going on mm-hmm. on its back, right? Because we can at least do that. Because something that has that has existed and been perpetuated in our community for the longest because I just, there's been so many experiences shared from our community by both uh, women and men who have been sexually violated mm-hmm. by by family members, by people whom they you know thought that they could trust, um, and it has really impacted a lot of folks to where, you know, like for myself, I know you know I know some people's um, histories and you know because they have shared it with me and and just having that piece of information paired with like how they operate in in certain instances or different spaces. You know, it's just like, gosh, mm-hmm. it's 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 because of those things, right? And then never really having a space or an outlet to to talk about that, to process, to heal. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think when we say healing, is like you're not going to be over it once you've been healed, right? It's like continuous healing and continuous practice to be, you know, to be okay and to survive another day with thinking about what was done to you and just. You know, I know it's very prevalent in a lot of communities, you know, especially communities of color. But, mm-hmm. but just speaking about like how often I've heard about it and been been exposed to it in our communities, like what what are we what are we doing to stop this? Yeah, you know, like let's stop it here at home. You or- know, these people who are five owls, you know, who have, um, yeah. Places, you know, like places in our community where they can make changes. Mm-hmm. How do we help them get to a place where they can help stop or speak about this, right? So we stop sweeping these things out of the rug and just, just try to change this shit. Something that was really dope. When I, so I visited American Samoa last year. I was there for a week teaching poetry, writing workshops at the at five of the high schools on island. Um, that was it was in partnership with this organization where in during school we did the writing workshops after school half of my team worked with the football teams um, through football clinics and whatnot what I learned when I was there though is that there there is a push to end domestic violence in mm-hmm. Samoa in bo- on both islands like there's a, a literal nonprofit organization that came about um, created by a group of people who were like enough is enough we're gonna Word. address we're actually gonna get this from out, out the under the rug we swept it under nice. and and actively do something about it 
Um, and and domestic violence also includes sexual violence, also mm-hmm. includes uh, intimate partner violence, all of that, right? And and that's something that I I would I never would have guessed Samoa would have been ready to address mm-hmm. um, or would have been called to address. Um, and now there's a whole organization and a movement around ending it um, because you know, like we grow up believing that violence is just part of our culture, but we're not, right. we're not a violent culture. <laughs> right. That's, that, that's something that was, we adapted to cause colonization because a lot of the things, but that is not who we were born to be, which means we know how to end it. Like, which means it's, it's endable <laughs> or you can end it. I don't even know if that's a word. That's Whatever. cool. I like that. It's endable. Fuck English. I made up a word. <laughs> but yeah, like, and so when I heard that, I was like, so powerful because what because the other things I've read that are happening in both American Samoa just from you know reading their their local news mm-hmm. is ministers defending yeah defending rapists essentially right. mm-hmm. um the you know like five fails and leaders in the community um giving pointers to sexual assault survivors of what they should do next time mm-hmm. to avoid getting assaulted again I'm like that's not the that's not the move actually. Right. that's not where we that's not where we address the issues, actually. And so, so yeah, all this to say, here in California or here in the United States with within the Pacific Islander community, we got to keep creating space so that folks feel like they could come forward and talk. The fact that you know so many folks in our community who, who have stories of this, um, it's, it says something about you being such a confidant to them that they mm. felt they could trust you, right? Mm-hmm. But I still sit here thinking, where can they go? <laughs> I don't know right. a lot of, I don't know too many resources. I know a lot of API resources in general in the Bay that are very uh, much about advocating for API uh, wellness. Mm-hmm. But a PI-centered approach to addressing sexual assault, I'm not sure what that looks like. But I know that we, I know it, uh, today's the day. <laughs> to, right, it you can know? exist. Yeah, it can exist, right? And so, so yeah, I would just say all that to say my my bruh moment was realizing I am a drop in the bucket when it comes to ending sex trafficking and human trafficking. Um, but I feel so activated around like this is the this is my piece of the pie um that I could contribute to. This is what my capacity says I can do. I can go learn. Um you know, when my finances are better, I can donate. <laughs> you know, like stuff. <laughs> so I'm just like proactive like okay, how if I know I'm part of this community, if I know I care so much about Oakland and being part of Oakland um, in being a Bay Area native in the way I am. If I want to combat gentrification, I got to keep literally giving back to the, the community and literally combat um, all these violent forces that push residents out, that keep human trafficking going, all of that. And so I'm trying to do my part, trying to figure out what that looks like, but also writing poems <laughs> performing right right and that's and that's that's a helpful way to you know reach the masses spread awareness get folks to think critically and maybe even open the door for folks to share you know their own personal yeah. their own personal stuff i feel like why i know a lot about it is because you know just even in some of the programming that i've done working with young people you know just creating the space and giving folks that avenue to like tell us tell us about your your life journey right mm-hmm. tell us about moments that have made you who you are who have impacted who you are mm-hmm. 
and not giving much direction, but that and like folks just they take it there, right? They take it there and they pour it out. And it's like in this space that becomes very vulnerable and raw. And it's like folks are trying to figure out how to hold that, yeah. right? And it's like just holding it, just listening, being there is like that at least the first step. That's like not only the first step, that's such a critical step that I think we we surpass sometimes because we we go into fix it mode of like, oh my God, we gotta right. what do we do? What do we do? Like we gotta fix it now. Um because we're uncomfortable with just sitting with it, <laughs> that we think we gotta bandage it up quick. Nah. Nah, let's sit with that we discomfort, gotta sit with right? It. Yeah. Like if they've been holding it all their life or however long they've been holding it, mm-hmm. we can hold it for a day. We can hold it for, like for a, a moment in time. Right. We ain't gotta push past nothing. Like we we actually it we actually serve them better if we sit with them and 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 follow their direction of when yeah. they're ready to move, when they're ready to speak, when they're ready to come forward, when they're ready, if if at all, right? Right. And so, and share that, man. you know, share mm-hmm. share like hold it with them so they're not holding it by themselves mm-hmm. and not not forcing them where to go, right? But like you said, really paying attention and listening to what those folks need and just carrying it along the way. Ooh. Yes. Ooh. Ooh. And that was just bruh. <laughs> I know. That was a, a bruh bruh. <laughs> that was bruh bruh. Check me out. Hey. <laughs> Dang. So, sis, man. Mm-hmm. Who do you see this week? Who is your ICU? Yes, yes, yes. I love this section. Uh, and thank you for the for letting me know that like part of the inspiration of where it comes from. I want to shout out my mentor, Michael James. He was the one that taught me breaking down the word respect. Could you, could you break it down for us, please? Of course. So the way I was taught from Michael James, um, who was a mentor to not only me, and, um, but a, a few other Pacific Islanders in our community, he took the literal word and wrote it out and literally broke it down by syllable. And so when you look at the prefix re- you think of to do again. So like rewrite, replay. Um, reload. Re- reload. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to do again. And to then, re-up. To re-up. <laughs> I'm done with you. For the coach. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> Rewash your movie. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you should be doing that every day. Please. And then, so you take re and remember that it means to do again. Spect comes from the root word spectacle, which means to see, like to look through or to see. And so when you put it together, it literally means to see again. And so when you think of respect, I think sometimes when you ask anyone, what does respect mean? People would say like, it means to be nice to each other. It means to be polite. And it's it's beyond that. It's not just being nice to each other. It's seeing one another over and over and over again because we are constantly evolving. We are not the same people we thought we were five minutes ago, five years ago, mm-hmm. like 15 years ago. Right. I look at Danny Boy, I'm sitting here right now. He's not the same person he, he was when I met him over about a decade ago. Mm-hmm. And so I got to respect that he is growing. I got to respect that I'm different. My values have grown as well. And I can't just assume I know him or I can't just assume, you know, like we could just be like whatever. Like I got to respect all that you are and mm-hmm. all that you come forward as and stuff. And so. And that goes, that's what we mean when we say, I see you. Right. So to answer your question, who do I see this week? You know, it's so funny. I could, I'm probably the last one on this train, but I just got into Sienna Lalau's oh, work. Right. And her, 
her dancing. Right. I'm late. I know I'm late because I'm looking at, on social. I'm, I fell down so many rabbit holes this week of losing sleep. I'm just, <laughs> just Googling like her. Videos? Yeah. yeah. I'm YouTubing her. Mm-hmm. I'm now follow her on all these plat on these like you know Instagram and stuff. Looking back on the history of like when did where did she come from, and I don't know how I even stumbled upon her work, but I I'm so glad I did, and I just want to shout her. I already know she gets the attention she has, rightfully so. Um, but I don't know if folks understand how much of an anomaly she is as a 17 year old Samoan hip hop dancer. 17. She's 17, bruh. Shout out to her. She's She was just on the Grammy or, or um AMAs. AMAs, right. She was dancing with Sierra. She choreographed Missy Elliott's part of that performance. <sighs> she was the main choreographer. With Missy. Oh my god. And right now she's traveling the world. I see she's in France teaching classes. That's she's going so to Italy. Dope. She literally uprooted her life with her mom and sister from Hawaii, moved to LA to pursue her dance dream. Aww. And she's just doing it. And I I know that speaks to me cuz I'm currently in this place where I'm also like pushing past my own insecurities and fears and really stepping out full time with my art. I, I've been performing and writing for about 12, 13 years now, but not at this level where it's all I all I am, period. You know, mm-hmm. I've always I've always done poetry with school. I've always done poetry with another full time job. I've always done poetry with another full time job. This is like the first time in my career where this is it. This is this is how I'm living. This is how I eat. This is how it's your bread and butter. This is my bread and butter Word. and jam. Yeah, <laughs> the bread and the butter and jam mix that we eat with. <laughs> on the uh, on, on the, the masi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is my tuna and rice, man. <laughs> and so I just I revere her so much because I'm just like I'm so inspired by her right now. She literally fuels me as you know on the days where I question like. Should I just get a full time job? <laughs> Should I just get something more secure? Like, and I I combat all of that, and I remember, nah, but that's not my dream destination. Right. That's not actually where I want to be. I want to be somewhere else, and I see it, and it's, it's there in my reach, and I see her reaching for her dream, and it's super inspiring. Yes. Yeah, that's my that's my ICU. How about you, D boy? Who do you see? Who do you see this week? I I, I just want to say that I really like your ICU. Yeah. Uh, Sorry, her name again is Sienna? Yeah, Sienna Lalau, L-A-L-A-U. Um, follow her, uh, <laughs> you know, repost her stuff. She's just, she's She's, she's hella bad. dope. She's hella dope. Man. And I just love the intensity that she gives in her face. You know, like, that's how you know that that's, that's where all the passion. Man. Every every movement, every, every like, isolation, right, and step and booty you should, pop. You just see Danny Boy right now. <laughs> And neck roll, right? Like just everything she's doing, like you feel it. Yes. And and there's something about that. Like when you feel it, you know that that's what that person was destined. Exactly. You know? um, a good friend of mine had, I was talking to her about Sienna this week. Um, and my friend also has a background in hip hop dance. She had mentioned that it looks like Sienna's doing the haka. Or like that's that's yeah. how ancestral and how mm-hmm. how much of her mana you feel when you watch her that she's just not any dancer, right. and I think that's why I'm so tied too. Like I'm also biased because she's Pacific Islander, <laughs> but you the the mana you you feel that yeah. emulates from her performance, it's spiritual, man. I'm just like yeah, she's she's gold. She's gold. <laughs> the ancestors are dancing through her. Okay, the ancestors choreographed Missy. <laughs> okay, shout out shout out to the ancestors. I mean that's dope, right? Like to choreograph. The specific yeah. piece for Sierra's yes. um, performance 
or Missy Elliott. And you know the the choreographer uh, for the for Sierra's video was Paris Gobo. Yeah, see, who's mm-hmm. another Pacific Pacifica woman, Samoan, doing a damn thing, yeah. right? Bex Bex, um, she was Bex's ICU a few weeks ago, and so just mm-hmm. like. Just to see our people doing it, you know, it's such a humbling and heartwarming joy. It it is, and it's just dance is is a language that speaks to so many folks. Even if you don't dance, you still feel something, and I, I know that's true. Even as a poet, even if you're you are not a poet, you still feel something because that's the that's the whole power and purpose of art is mm-hmm. what I truly believe, and that's why when I see Sienna, she's doing more than just dancing; she's creating to survive and she's creating to 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 survive our culture to to push forward our culture so that it survives as well because that's what art does and now more than ever do i believe that art is so necessary to keep us alive keep us fed keep us up keep us good dance art visual arts music whatever it be podcasting like this is a form of art right and so we create to resist we create to remember and it's ancestral in so many ways. And that's what I think of when I think of Sienna. La la. Sienna, we see you. Mm-hmm. See you, sis. Uh, so my ICU for this week, yeah. um, I actually had this ICU for last week. But since we had to buy it, I'm going to transfer it over to this week. Okay. Um, it goes to a young Marshallese student over at Cal State East Bay. Hey. Her name is Lulani. Mm. Um, and she led the October Journey to Empowerment. Uh, with her presentation that it was titled Bikini Bottom. That's right. And she did a really dope presentation of, you know, the history of the Marshall Islands um, in relation to the U.S. Mm-hmm. and a lot of the bomb testing that was performed out there mm-hmm. in uh, the 40s. Um, and specifically over there with folks um, in the Bikini Islands. Mm-hmm. And how the U.S. government came to the to the people of the Bikini Islands uh-huh. and told them that they needed to relocate to another island for the good of mankind, right? To 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 really do their part. And so these people who were rooted in the Bikini Islands for centuries, right, mm-hmm. and their ancestors, they believed that this place was given to them by God. Mm-hmm. Right, God put them there as their promise. They were relocated for the military, for the for the U.S. to put on this presentation of a bomb, right? To mm-hmm. to seem as like one of the biggest forces to be reckoned with in the world, mm-hmm. right? And really like in competition with other uh, countries like Russia and uh, China or whatnot, and just the impact it had on the Marshallese people. Yeah. You know, to this day. And just even thinking about how folks were relocated. And she correlated that with the current um, state of our Pacific Islands, those Mm -hmm. that are more susceptible to the impacts of climate change. Um, So when you think about an island, right, you think about like, you know, um, this big, this big... um, I don't know what do you call it, like formation yep. of uh, like land, of formation, land, yeah, land mm-hmm. formation, right? Um, well, the the Marshall Island, a lot, a lot of the Marshall Islands um, are what they call atolls, which are just the top parts 
of the volcano or the volcanic eruption that created islands that have yeah. sunk and it's just the top it's part. It's flat. It's flat. Yeah, yeah, it's basically flat. Um, and because of sea level rise, right, a lot of the people in the Pacific um, are experiencing, you know, the are experiencing firsthand climate change mm -hmm. and becoming uh, climate change refugees or climate and climate yeah, climate refugees. Climate refugees. Uh, especially the Marshall Islands. Especially, especially Marshallese folks. Right. And having to relocate because of their islands or their homes being washed away. Mm -hmm. And it's not just the fact of like they have, you know, like their shelter is gone, but it's like their being, right? Their, their livelihood. Their livelihood, their ancestral foundation, all by the hands of like... This isn't just... Something... Yeah, this that isn't we just a for, foreclosure on a home. Right. Which is also as terrible. Mm -hmm. This is like your entire homeland and everything about your life gone. Gone. And um, she's from the Marshall Islands. She's here on a scholarship. And so to have pers someone with personal experience who has actually experienced like their home being um, flooded, you know, yeah. with the water and everything and just... Their home being just in shambles, and you know everything moved and shifted. Like to have it, to have that personal experience is another level, right? Because I've learned about this stuff here and there, but like she gave such a personal, yeah. Um, she gave such a personal story about it, you know, connected to the history, connected to what the current climate is for our folks in the Pacific. Right, and then just to even think about the discrimination that's going on against Micronesian folks by us, right? By our own people, right? Plot twist, right? Pl we are trash. <laughs> We're all trash. Um, you know, just just having that, just having that conversation in a space where it's mostly Polynesian folks, mm -hmm. right? And so, really doing a lot of this solidarity building, and um, we had actually been planning for, you know hoping that she would be able to do one of the Journey to Empowerments because she shared with us about her presentation a few months ago. Yeah. And so to be able to have her in that space, and we had such a good turnout, and she did so well. You know, like, I just want to say, Lulani, I see you. Man. You know, and thank you. Thank you thank very much. Thank Tata, for your presentation and just for, you know, giving us that education and knowledge and wisdom to play our part and be better as um, as allies, as family, mm -hmm. you know, to stand in solidarity with with you all. So, Lulani, I see you. See you too, says. Yeah, like, I I don't think we could talk about it enough, just the, the layers of our own, you know, issues within our Pacific Islander community. Right. Um, especially when it comes to discrimination against one another, especially... Mm -hmm when we discriminate against probably one of the most underrepresented parts of our family. Like, my, who's going after Marshallese folks? What's right. Are you tripping right now? It's, uh, it's sad. And, you know, it's like they're, 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 um, the, the derogatory term that right. people are um, calling Micronesian folks, they're calling them cockroaches I, because they're <sighs> small, they're brown, and they're dirty. Which is a way to say we're small, brown, and dirty. Like, right. if we reflect that back as they are our people, they are our family, like, take away all the namings of 
poly, micro, mela, whatever. That's right. our people. That's our family that we're putting down. And it's disgraceful. It is. And and I would say to a large degree here in the Bay Area, we're not always confronted with having to confront our um bias and discrimination against because mm. we, we don't have we're not as surrounded with a, a heavy population of Micronesian folks or right. uh, Marshallese folks or whatnot at least here mm-hmm. that it's predominantly Polynesian yeah and so it's not always in our face whereas in areas like Hawaii mm-hmm. where there's like a high discrimination against Micronesians right. from our own people <laughs> right it's like bruh like it's not enough that we're like discriminated against against other by, by other people that we got discriminated against them you know each other. It's, it's wild. It's that thing that you said earlier, right? It's the system that keeps perpetuating itself, right? For us, for us to be the ones that do that to our own people, right? Like it's, mm-hmm. it's the uh, oppressed becoming the oppressors, right? Mm-hmm. And like really turning the lens um, to focus on other people because I, I can remember hearing back in the day that like Native Hawaiians were not happy that that Hawaii was being populated by a lot of Samoans and Tongans, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and there was that funk, there was that beef. Yeah. And now with the wave of Micronesians, it's like, the it's like everybody, and now it's like all of them mm-hmm. on them, you know. It's like, and and I think this is because yeah, there are people there are people who are Micronesian that you know probably have done bad things, but we have Native Hawaiians that have done that too. We have Samoans talking like everybody in in the different communities have folks that have done, mm-hmm. you know, things that we're not proud of, but like the whole community should not have to suffer for, you know, just some folks, you know, wrong wrongdoings, wrong actions, you know. It's it's the same old thing, you know, like how folks discriminate against black folks mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. Um, Middle Eastern folks, Latino folks, Asian folks, or even us. You know, it's just like... And what a what a waste of our energy to expel word. and put towards that. I was like, man, our energy is so sacred. Imagine if we used it to love each other, <laughs> to, you know. And I said, I know it sounds so simple, but it's like, dang, what if we use that power to defend Micronesians? What if we use that power to get the word out about them becoming climate change refugees? What if we use that power to love up on our people in ways where they don't feel isolated, they don't feel like a minority within our own group? It's like word. And just something I want to share that was so powerful in that space was, yeah. um. Lulani had folks do this activity where, because we had a room full of folks who, there was probably like one or two other Marshallese folks in the room, and maybe five five um, Micronesians, so that, you know, folks from Micronesia. Um, but the room was majority Polynesian and other, right? And so the whole room did this activity where where folks had to write a letter to their homelands mm. saying goodbye mm. as if they had to say goodbye to their homelands, right? Because they were sinking, but it's just not going to be there anymore. Mm-hmm. And so what does that, what does that sound like? How do you address that? And let me tell you, the few folks that were able to share their letters mm-hmm. had their room in tears. So I was, I, me personally, I was so moved mm-hmm. that this idea came of like, Man, we should get everybody to type up the things that they wrote, send it to Lulani, and like let's create something where, you know, it's like we're we're creating this this piece of art mm-hmm. that could be how we stand in solidarity with our folks, right? Mm-hmm. Because 
you know, it's happening to them now. Mm-hmm. When is it going to happen to our islands? And that's the thing is like, my hope is that we, f- we get to a place where we feel so connected to each other that we, re- that we recognize that because it's happening to the Marshall Islands, it is happening to us. That right. that is our island, actually. Right. And that, that's my hope. And it's hard because climate change is one of those things. It's hard. It Well, I don't know. It, it's, it, it gets difficult to have, to feel affected by because it, it feels so big. Mm-hmm. It feels so on the other the on the other end of the world. Right. Like, oh, it's happening over there. So because I don't feel it right now as I drive my car and, you know, try to recycle and shit, mm-hmm. then I don't feel it. But... Man, if we wait until until an island is actually gone to feel something, that sucks. That's that, sucks, that, right. that that's a really terrible place to be to wait until something impacts us to care. Right. And that's the hard thing about climate change is that, for instance, a recent article just came out where that everyone has been sharing and it's been making me roll my eyes because the article is about that has explicitly stated that um, you know the world is being threatened to not be here by 2040, the year mm. 2040. And everyone's resharing. Everyone's panicking. Everyone's whatever. And I'm rolling my eyes like, we've been told y'all this. <laughs> like, like, those of us, as in the Pacific Islands, who are least responsible for the impact of climate change, right. but are being affected the most and first, have been saying this. Right. You know? But it had to wait until this article came out for people to feel personally invested, personally wanting to be proactive. And it's like, why don't we just don't see the entire, you know, why don't we just see them as our neighbor and it, and it is impacting us. But it's hard. It's very, very hard. It's hard yeah. for me all the time. I got to remember. Um, and thankfully, I try my best to stay connected to learning more about other islanders in our culture and our in our community. Thank God for the Marshallese folks in my life who yeah. put me up on game of like, I, I have a lot of privilege as a Samoan American mm-hmm. <laughs> maneuvering through life um, that that I can rest easy on while I know our Micronesian family is like minutes away from losing everything. Yeah. So I appreciate you for even just educating me on how that journey to empowerment session went. It was beautiful. So um. powerful. And I think the the takeaway from it overall was um, Lulani trying to encourage folks to to play their part in in trying to uh, be as mindful as they can to the environment. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that Lulani taught me about was actually what compost or composting is, right? Mm. And and I kind of had an idea because my grandma, you know, had like directed this specific can in the house, like if there's any food left over, any, you know, any yeah. things that could be um, turned into soil, mm-hmm. right, to put it on there because we put it in the certain bin mm-hmm. and then it, it goes through that whole thing. Um, and Lulani was saying that she 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 does that because of it being able to re- regenerate and be used to soil the earth, right, for the earth. Um, and so just doing different things that, you know, we could do to play our part, you know, mm-hmm. even with the, the whole thing with the straws coming out, right? Like there's going to be no more plastic straws, mm-hmm. you know, just little things go a long way. It does. And so I think, you know, just encouraging folks out there to do your research um, and look at it, look at what you can do to play your part. 
Thank you for that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Lauren. All right, y'all, man. Man, you know, we over here, we having some really, really deep, deep and critical conversations, but that's always what we do, right, sis? Like we just be chopping it up about everything. We are. I just I just keep grinning at Danny Boy during this entire time. <laughs> Why? As we're talking. Just I'm just so in love with our friendship. Just, <laughs> it makes me happy. Yeah. Again, like the liter- the only difference between what our life is like <laughs> now and like outside of this podcast is this microphone <laughs> for real because this is literally how we are but there's some things we're not going to share with them because you know true. we begin they ain't ready they ain't ready we begin you know <laughs> after dark that's got to be for the cultures after dark <laughs> Vic- Victor Saragossa Victor Saragossa the quiet storm <laughs> if you from the Bay Area and you are you know not not necessarily an OG but you know you grew up listening to the radio mm-hmm. You, you know, you was doing that in like the 80s and the 90s and the early 2000s. You know who Victor Saragossa is. Mm -hmm. Hit us up on uh, Facebook, Instagram, (laughs) or Twitter and let us know that you know who Victor Saragossa is by pointing us and, you know, giving us the facts of who he is, giving us the rundown. (laughs) We're going to do a little contest. (laughs) The prize is... uh, A retweet. uh, (laughs) A pat on the back. Yeah, That's you know, good. he's going to shout you out on the on the next episode, right. episode 11. But since we're here in this section, mm-hmm. man, you know, we got to chop it up. Thinking back to this relationship series, and I feel like a lot of what we shared is very connected to a lot of different relationships, right? Our relationship yeah. with the community we live in, mm-hmm. the part we play in that community, mm-hmm. um, and even just... Oh, relationships we have with ourselves Mm -hmm. but I think for this you know for this chapter of section what we wanted to focus on is you know us as queer folks um we wanted to talk about what it means or what it's like as queer folks who have relationships with you know the different people we deal with on a daily Mm -hmm. right and that could be uh, familial relationships, it could be uh, romantic relationships, or just even relationship like with society and our community. But like, as queer people, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. what's that like? Mm-hmm. What does that mean? You know, and and how do we exist? How do we navigate these these relationships? Because it's tough, right? Alluding back to what we were saying earlier about like, it's a risk that we take when we own our identity yeah. out in the open. Yeah. And, you know, I think this is such a an important uh, conversation because to a large degree, I know for me, when I identify as queer, it's not just an identifier for my sexuality and who I date. Mm-hmm. Um, that's very, that's actually very limiting. It's, it's not actually all of what it is. When I identify as queer, it's also stating the fact that I am living my life um, pushing up against heteronormative ways of living, pushing up against patriarchy, pushing up against and challenging um, what a traditional um, relationship should look like romantically and whatnot. And so so I think this conversation around not just queer relationships as queer people, but what is it like to maneuver through our life and in the relationships we hold with family, coworkers, classmates, right. colleagues, 
and partners mm-hmm. as queer Pacific Islanders. Right. And I think even like just for myself too, it's like how do I how do I hold this relationship I have with my queer identity? Yes. You know, like that's such yep. a big thing I haven't discovered completely yet, right? Like just with self, yep. With self. And that's what I appreciate you for um reminding me that you did say that too, because that's also important. It's like, yeah, what about this relationship I have with myself as mm-hmm. a queer Pacific Islander? Because I think something that um there's like two things that came up for me when thinking about you know, this relationship I have with my queer identity is like, it's been a struggle because I have learned how to suppress it and, and try to work against it mm-hmm. because of the examples that I grew up around, because of what I see on TV, mm-hmm. you know, and so I've always had this, this, um, not disgust, but like this turn off from like, you know, how f- uh, folks in the LGBTQIA plus community, you know, really uh, wave the, you know, the rainbow flag as a sense of pride. And mm-hmm. um, a lot of work has been done and a lot of people have fought and a lot of people have died so that folks could do that. Yeah. And I totally understand the significance and the importance of the rainbow flag. But personally, it's not something that I um, want to put out there Mm -hmm. as like something that I'm proud of, right? Like, yeah, I'm a part of this now, this, you know, this rainbow flag, right? Um, And I don't, and I I think, you know, I've tried to dissect that a little bit of like, is it because of my own homophobia that I, that I was taught Mm -hmm. to have, you know? And then is that also why I'm like at a constant battle with myself, you know, trying to really unlearn a lot of this things that I've learned along the way, right? You, you helped me realize that unlearning a lot of the, the stuff we learned is the is one of the hardest things that we can do. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah, totally. And something I'm reminded of, even as you're, essentially questioning, like, I I do get down with this, but I don't get down with this part. And what does that say about me? Does it mean I I'm internalizing this, um, homophobia? is that in a lot of ways, even the LGBTQ movement and the history of it um, was not as welcoming to queer people of color. <laughs> mm, <laughs> you know, okay. and yeah. so I, I I remember that in so many ways that like, yeah, like the fact that we don't feel fully comfortable or fully, you know, um, secure and safe in owning the flag or owning you know, our identities and is also a byproduct of a lot of these movements weren't even designed with us in mind, Right, <laughs> you right. know, the women's movement, <laughs> like, right. like was white women, <laughs> right? It was know? white like, women first, right? Yeah. And so the LGBTQ movement is no exception to that either. It's like, yeah, this flag, even for instance, it, it, I think just last year, the um, Philadelphia created the rainbow flag where it added a black and brown stripe to it Dope. because because that's how um, seclude. That's how um, isolated Black and Brown folks felt in this movement. It's like, Word. yeah, you keep saying gay rights for all of us, but you, you're, do you mean all of us? All of us? <laughs> because <laughs> we're here and we still feel invisible in the yeah. community, right? Right. And so their response to that was to create a, a a new meaning to the flag and also create a new flag altogether, right? Mm-hmm. And so I don't I don't look at you as like, oh, why aren't you owning this? It's like, 
yeah, like, but the history behind <laughs> who got to wave this flag and who didn't feel comfortable um, is a deep one that looks a lot doesn't different. get, yeah, and so I think about that. I also think about this notion of, I know I've heard in, say, in, for instance, the black community, they, I've heard it said that, like, you know, this isn't your, your granddaddy's civil rights movement, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> right. which is to say, like, things are evolving, like, we're taking different approaches, like, we're still on this road towards a common goal, but we're not, um, we're not relying on the respectability po- politics mm-hmm. that maybe our, our elders want us to, you right. know, we're doing different things. And so same with this is like, this is a different movement. <laughs> this is a different chapter in yeah. our story that, that a lot of queer trans folks of color are, are actually writing and actually in the, in leading. And I wonder, I just, I mean, for myself, I wonder, like, what is that going to look like for me, right? Like, what, mm. how am I going to play my part in that? Because I don't feel like I have, like, my voice as a as a queer or even as a gay man, right? Like, that's mm-hmm. not, that's not something that I've fully developed, right? And so what does my voice look like mm-hmm. with that in trying to create things like art or create, mm-hmm. you know, even this, right? Like, I always said that for me to do a podcast, I needed to come out to my dad because I couldn't have these conversations, you know, so freely knowing that I didn't have that, you know, have that part or have that talk with my dad. Yeah. And even if it, I thought it was going to be, a, you know, a completely negative experience and it turned out not to be, but yeah. I couldn't have moved forward without that. Right. And so even like, it, this podcast, right? Mm-hmm. This podcast is um, one way in, in which I'm trying to develop my voice, you know, to do my part for the culture, for the queer culture. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I'm just, I just wonder, like, what, what does that look like for, for someone who's so newly accepting of, <laughs> of, of myself, right, and still, still finding my way there with that acceptance? Yep. I would say this podcast is a huge step in a direction of that exploration. Yeah. Like, as you're asking yourself that question of, like, what does this mean? Man, like, this, the the the, the fact that you have X created this space, um, not only for y'all as queer folks that don't fall into these neat binaries as Pacific Islanders. Mm-hmm. Dang, what a, what, a, what a way to explore this and also give yourself permission to just be exactly who you are is I can't overstate how powerful it is honestly and so I hope you you I hope you realize that this is a huge thing and that this podcast is a huge step in 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 exploring these questions that are coming up for you Word. I know for me as I think of like my life as a queer Pacific Islander woman one thing that I have, I'm reminded of is that because I pass as a straight woman, because mm-hmm. I'm primarily, you know, like I am femme, like I subscribe to feminine qualities and the way I look and whatnot, it is not always assumed that I'm queer. Mm-hmm. And so I am constantly faced, so that's what I mean by like I constantly come out and come out time and time again is um, and I, I come out when it's safe to come out too. So I, there's like a level of safety that I'm like, I don't know if it's safe to come out in front of this high school assembly. I don't know if it's safe to come out in front of this 
Samoan church <laughs> crowd. Like, <laughs> right. I remember when you hit me up. <laughs> right. <laughs> you do, right? <laughs> yes, I remember that. And so I remember, so when I had mentioned that I went to Samoa last year, I didn't even come, I didn't come out at all during that trip because I was, I was, it just didn't feel right. It didn't feel safe enough. It, right. And not to say I felt threatened, but it was like, ah, I, I've lived as a queer woman long enough to know what is, when it's safe and when it's not. And, right. and, and when I can um, manage that. And so, but, or I, 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 I only came out once and it was to a small group of Samoan girls when I was on island. But, but that's the testament of what it's like to maneuver sometimes yeah. through your identity. Mm-hmm. And you don't even have to be straight passing like, like me, but I'm just speaking from my experience of like, oh, it's like a daily thing, you mm-hmm. know? Um, I get nervous about coming out when guys hit on me, you know, like that is not, that does not feel safe, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. at times to be like, well, I don't like, I'm not interested in you <laughs> or whatnot, whatever. Um, and, and it's also me maneuvering through queer meaning more than just I like women, you know, and like exploring my own sexuality and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was dope because earlier before this podcast, I was hanging out with my uncles. I was hanging out with my oldest uncle and then my youngest uncle. Um, and we all had lunch and whatnot. And we were, you know, we were talking about our family and um, the subject of when I came out in 2009 to my family came up. And they reminded me of how accepting they were at that time when I came out. Mm. And and it, it's true that when I came out, my parents had the hardest time accepting it. But my family, my, especially my uncles, because I'm so close to them, um, definitely didn't. They were super accepting of me. And, and that became a point in conversation today we were, that we were just reflecting on. We were... We were eating ice cream, you know, like yeah. over here um, in San Jose. And they were just like, man, man, niece, um, when you came, when you said you were gay, like, man, I, my uncle's like, I don't care if you date a cow. I don't care. <laughs> like, 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 you're my niece. And I'm like, well, we're talking about, I, we're talking about bestiology over here. Come no. on now. Huh? <laughs> Stop correlating the two, okay? I know, it's I know. not the same, but I get what you're saying. Right. I, it's I one of those things where I'm like, I got to take the, the wins when they come yeah. and like Pick ignore your... the rest of <laughs> Pick your battles. I'm like, uh, I okay, cool. Um, <laughs> but I got this. I got what he meant. <laughs> I was like, uh. that's like when people say, I don't care if you're black, white, blue. Red. I'm like, okay, why are you saying blue? Right. And Where are all these new weird. ones coming from? <laughs> <laughs> like, I need to get it together. But um, but the point he was making was that he was super accepting of me because there was a time and at that time when my parents were trying to communicate to my family. Um, at that time, not to accept me. But like, if Teresa calls, dot, dot, dot. And they were like, I'm not going to do that to my niece, actually. <laughs> like, uh, like, like, I'm not, I, whatever you guys feel against your daughter, my mm-hmm. niece, is not how I feel. And so bump that. If she wants to come over to my house, she's coming, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. And having that conversation, even just, what is it, seven years later, no, nine years later, in this parking lot, just, you know, a few hours ago, um, reminded me of like, damn, this really has been a journey. <laughs> this really has been a journey in teaching my family what queer means. Yeah. It's been a journey in my own personal romantic relationships. It's been a journey in my own self as someone who passes as straight but lives a very queer life. Yeah, um, And it's always something that I'm maneuvering. Like, should I come out? You know, like even when I pick the poems I perform for events, even as diverse as the event looks and whatnot, if I don't feel safe, I will not do poems where I... I explicitly talk about being queer because I don't feel safe. Right. Um, and I hope it, you know, my hope is that it does, it's not always that the case where I got to 
like hold back on poems I want to share. But until it, we live in a safer world, <laughs> right? I will maneuver in ways that protect me. And we're going to constantly have to maneuver that way, right? Yes. Until until that that day comes. Yes. Gosh. What's coming up for you? I mean, just just you talking about like you, your the way in which your family, you know, accepted you or didn't accept you, um, and how that, you know, even what 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 your relationships look like uh, romantically. Um, and even for in in the work that you do, right, in in the in the art that you share and express, it just makes me think about like, I I for so for so long I have always tried to not uh, come off as like uh, gay, right, or mm-hmm. do gay things because that's always something that was pointed out to me. I remember from a young age, right, I was like. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Why right. does your voice sound like that? Right. You know, just being corrected all the time to where I developed into something that was more passing, right, and more accepting. But there was always that 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 loom over me of like, is he? Isn't mm-hmm. he? Um, and I always tried to perform in a way where it's like I wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it just it, – I had gotten to a breaking point where – you know, I was really having, you know, these those same kind of thoughts again, you know, thoughts of suicide and, and, like, not being able to, like, shake the way I feel or shake those thoughts. And um, I believe I shared this in a previous episode, but I feel like it was God that, you know, that really pushed me to um, accept my identity, right, accept myself. Um, because if I didn't, the the other option would have just been, to not be here, mm-hmm. right? And that, and that, I, there's something more and something bigger for me, right? Mm-hmm. And even though I had that kind of revelation, you know, it, the journey wasn't smooth after that. Yeah. And it took a lot of, it took a lot of work thereafter, and a lot of work with you, you know, um, helping contribute to the healing of where I've gotten to the place where I am today. And it's still a journey. Yeah. It's still a journey, um, in trying to like define it and own it and allow it to to be whatever it is you know i'm still still writing it but it definitely is a journey forever, forever. Like that's that's our life journey right and the hope is our community continues to support us to a large degree that yeah. spaces continue to open themselves to being more inclusive more mindful when they program events and um are are aware of who is being left out of the conversation, who is being who's at the table having it. Right. Equity. Equity. Equity, you know, yeah. and, and I think going back to what you were saying is like the battle, the real battle is at home, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's where the real revelation uh revolution needs to start. Mm-hmm. Um and I've always, you know, like just this coming out process for myself has been a has been a um a rocky one, right? Because of coming out to folks in and these little spurts here mm-hmm. and there, right? And coming out to those who, you know, I know I could versus those who I can't. And uh, I just always pictured having this negative reaction from folks in my family because of being corrected so much, right? Um, and there was, I can honestly say that there hasn't necessarily been a negative 
a reaction to me coming out to folks, um, which was surprising because I feel like when I did come out to folks, you know, because I had observed their homophobic um, tendencies or or just ways or words that they would spew out, that those are the things that kept me in the closet, right? Those are yeah. things that kept me, you know, from even thinking that it's okay to feel what I feel or think what I think. Yeah. Um, to hear them say that, you know, like, shit, I don't care. You know, I love you no matter what. And da, 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 da. And it's like, but damn, you, the same person that was just saying, like, that person's a faggot or, you know, that's some gay shit or, you know, just, just hella speaking down to the community, you know, like, I have this, uh, I have this part of my tattoo that's colored in, right? It's got, uh, I didn't see that. but it's like reggae colors, but yeah. it's not done in a solid way. Sure. So, my cousin caught a glimpse of it and was like, "This was before I even like came out or whatever, right? This is, you know, just the family always was talking." Fika. Yeah, it was just Fika calling with each other, like Izzy, is any. He was like. There better not be no rainbow flag shit. I'm gonna beat your ass. And I would be like, nah, bro. You know, it's it's um it's this regular colors. You know what I mean? Just just being labeled like that or put on the spot really kept me from, you know, yeah. kind of, it didn't feel safe, like you said. Yeah. Why would I feel comfortable confiding you now when you just gave me a snapshot of what? Is to come if I tell you. If I, if I tell you, yeah. right. And then to get to the point where it's like, you know what, I got to do this. And I tell people and it's like, I love you. You know, like, it don't matter to me. Da, da, da. And Yeah. So, and that part is always, I'm always thankful that that's the response. And you would hope that you're not just the exception in their life, that like, they're doing better. That they're doing better yeah, overall. Yeah. Right? And I am speaking from experience too. It's like, I don't want my uncles to just accept me. Right. Accept Queer people, you right. know, kind of thing. Like, exactly. Like I'm, I'm one of millions, <laughs> you know, and like I would hope their attitude and behaviors and things change to protect us and yeah. defend us and nurture us, not just tolerate us, you know. Right. <laughs> it's, I mean, because even like with my dad, that that whole, that whole process and conversation was so interesting because to hear my dad say, you know, no matter what, son, I will love you. I would never disown you. I don't agree with it. I don't understand it. It would take me time, maybe a long time, mm -hmm. but I love you, and mm -hmm. I would never, I would never disown you. And to just even hear that part, I was like, "Fuck, I don't even know what to do with that," because I only prepared for uh, <laughs> the worst. Looking through your notes, like I did not have a plan B. <laughs> <laughs> I did not have a contingency plan. You're uh, like, if this went well, <laughs> why, why are all these holes in my uh, in my soul being filled right now with this fool saying that shit? I only had a plan for if this blew up. <laughs> <laughs> right and so i mean it's not like you know i'm talking to my dad like oh i think that that guy's fine or you know this guy looks good or whatever it's as we had that conversation and our relationship is building you know building because of more because of it and we're having a stronger mm -hmm. relationship but we're not like boldly talking about mm -hmm. my my queer identity right yeah and i remember my dad saying too like you better grow some tough skin because you know I'm going to be talking shit. And I was like, bring it. You know what I mean? And that's something that I feel like, that's something that I feel like I need to build the skin for because, you know, I could talk shit and roll with the punches, right? But when people start attacking me about being gay mm -hmm. or queer, that's when I like shut down. Also. Get into defense mode, right? Like of, As you should, because why would that 
why would you attack from that angle? <laughs> like, like that's that gets personal in a way that's like, okay, okay, bro, like that's not. Yeah, it, it's personal. I mean, there was there was this um, this friend of mine. He, you know, he was straight, um, married married to another friend of mine, and 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 they were just a great, cool couple, right? Uh, but this guy, you know, he's, you know, I don't know, men, even though they don't like. Even though a lot of them can be homophobic, there's so many, there's so many like uh, queer, mm-hmm. queer like tendencies. They they call it a homoerotic. <laughs> oh, homoerotic, yeah. Just like behaviors that. Yeah. You know, it doesn't make it so that we, you know, directly question: Are they this or that? It's just like. It's just uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's just like you know, like in the sports, right? Right. Like, remember, they'd be slapping each other's ass in football right. and shit like that, or whatever. Um. But so the the friend of mine, he you know he would slap my ass, uh-huh. and I would just be like, "Bruh, don't do that." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then um, I heard later on that you know he told one of my other cousins like, "Why the fool you know be tripping? Is he is he is he gay or whatever?" And it and it was just like, "Well, for one, you know, it's not cool to do that." Yeah, like uh, my body. Period, <laughs> my, right? I'm telling you, don't. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it, you know, it depends on the setting, right? Like, if we were in sports, maybe it would be cool. Um, and then, secondly, like, don't start now. You, you can't finish. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? What if I like that shit, bro? Mm-hmm. You know, so it's just, it's not cool. You know, it's not, like, don't do that. Yeah. You know, and mm-hmm. so, I don't know. It's just, it's just uh, those things, you know, like, even though I'm out to the family and, trying to figure it all out. Like there's certain conversations that come up when, you know, we're outside smoking a cigarette or just having like someone on one time. They're like, so why did, why did you feel like you had to come out? Right. Like Mm. you didn't need anybody's validation or anything like that. One of my aunties told me that. And I was like, actually I did. I was going to say, actually we live in a world where we constantly need to be validated (laughs) that who we are is okay. (laughs) Exactly. You know, and and this is one of the aunties too, that, you know, is I've seen some, um, homophobia from right. right and and she's like you didn't need to do that you don't need anybody to to tell you it's okay or whatever and i'm like and for right you're and looking at like that's you the main one <laughs> that contributed to me feeling unsafe you know right and it for a split second you think you're tripping you're like am i tripping <laughs> like what like same that happened with I remember my mom, she's really big on watching Lifetime movies, the oh. Lifetime Channel movies. Oh, my goodness. And I just remember there's so many movies that touched upon the child being gay. And yeah. she would say things, this is before I came out, she would say things like, I could never do that to my child. How dare that mother do that? The moment I came out, I was disowned. I was like, wait a minute. Wait. Hold on. <laughs> Hold the phone. <laughs> I thought. <laughs> you seem cool about it with the the white kids on right. Lifetime. But let your brown daughter come over here and tell you something. Okay. And granted, this was, you know, 2009 was when this all fell apart and right. we were in the most difficult place we've ever been in our relationship. And it's way different now. She's way, like, she... She rides for me now, but it took a while, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you, but that's the experience is like, and, and I think that's also the privilege of being heterosexual of like folks being like, you know, you didn't have to be afraid to come to us. Yeah, actually, I did. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, survey says that I live in a world that is highly homophobic. That is very life and death for me. Exactly. <laughs> and, and so, yeah, I did. I, I, it reminds me of times where 
when I'm teaching, when I'm teaching writing workshops and when I'm doing uh, poetry residencies, and especially in high school, yeah. high school is such a, a tough place for young people, especially if you're queer mm-hmm. and you're, especially if you're a lot of things maneuvering through who you are. Yeah. And it's brutal, especially in the day, in the age of technology, social media, man, the moment you show all of you who you are and people don't like it and they get bullied for it, it's right. wild. And, right. and you know, suicide rates of young people for being queer, trans, coming out are high for yeah. these reasons because they don't have the support because right. they're, they're young and they don't, their family disowns them, school, everything. So I remember there were moments where I would teach in school and I know if I can tell from the crowd and from the from the room that, you know, they're still joking about no homo. They're still joking about, you know, um, you know, these gender dynamics are happening. Um, I will not come out, um, at least in the first few sessions. I'll, right. I'll do workshops. I have to build a rapport with them. I have to build, get them to trust me and know that and show them that I genuinely love y'all and I, I'm here for y'all. And, you know, we go a few weeks in and. I, you know, sometimes I end residencies in high schools where I never come out to them ever. And then sometimes when it's appropriate, especially if we're doing like a lesson on discrimination Mm -hmm. or a lesson on prejudice, it's always like, okay, do I do this? Do I do it now? And I remember doing it. um, I had a residency at Castlemont in East Oakland and my class and I, we loved each other. They like from jump, I gained their trust and they, I, they followed me with every lesson I've done. And then there was a moment where I did come out and I mentioned having a girlfriend or mentioned liking women and whatnot. And um, thank God I built and I scaffold those sessions to build them up to a place where, you know, for better or worse, they still accepted me because they had to sit with, man, but this doesn't change how I felt about her right. now that I know she's gay right. or queer um, because I liked her all the way up to this point. And who the heck am I going to be if I just disown her now? Like it doesn't change all the things I've, I like about her already. Exactly. But like, but it took for that to happen mm-hmm. in order for me to feel safe enough, good enough, and confident enough that they will see the whole me as I'm teaching with them. Mm-hmm. And they did. And it was, it. you know, we don't give young people enough credit for being able to be, you know, like um, able to be accepting and whatnot. Like I, right. I, I think they, they are more than capable of doing that if you treat them like human beings mm-hmm. and treat them like young adults. But it took a while, right? It, it, I couldn't jump in the deep end and feel safe, yeah, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like I had to b- teach my own babies how to, you can accept people for all different reasons, including being queer. Right. Um, especially when you, you live in a society like you were bring, mentioning when you grew up that um, was homophobic, mm-hmm. was racist, was all these things, was felt this way about women, whatever. Um, but you got to unlearn that with our with, with, with each other sometimes and gauge for yourself is it is this the right time is this not the right time and whatnot and again that's like the constant coming out process for us Mm -hmm. it's not just a a one-time teen right it's not linear it's not linear thank you linear right and and i hella identify with everything you're saying about working with young people and really building up to that point right because it is a piece of you that you know you you do have the power to share whenever you feel most comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I find myself doing exactly what you said a lot because mm-hmm. I want to build with folks um, based on like my character and based on how I'm able to show up for them and and how they're able to show up for me and, mm-hmm. and just really learn from each other. 
to build this before um, giving that piece of myself, right? Because it feels like it's easier to do that versus just off the bat and having no, no foundation. And then they're just more likely to, you know, it can go left or right. They could tune out. They could close up. Yep. They could mistrust they could feel you. Unsafe. They could feel unsafe. They can, you know, request to be, you know, yeah. moved and all that. And I think it's it's strategic, right? It's It's very strategic in like... And not in a bad way where it's like, I'm going to do this and to build your trust and then drop the bomb on you, but no. just to have foundation and, and teach, mm-hmm. right? It's all a teaching moment about like, just because this is who I am doesn't mean that that's who I want to be with you, right? Like there's always this association with with queerness, mm-hmm. with 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 being from the LGBT community that we automatically want to jump into bed with mm-hmm. with everyone, right? Mm-hmm. Or that we want to okay. hurt, you know, hurt or or like uh, convert, you know, mm-hmm. people over to to be a part of the community. You know, it, it, and it's not it's not like that. It's not just based on sex. It's not based on sex. It's not based on attraction. On attraction, it's, yeah. Like that, and that's what I mean. It's so limiting when we're judged in that way of like. Yeah. We are whole ass people (laughs) trying to live a life where, you know, like the fact that we have to be strategic in this way to show our character, our personality, our our likability, all of this before we show our queerness is strategic to the point that also points out the privilege of being heterosexual. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, I don't imagine straight people having to do this every day. Like, man, when can I come out (laughs) as being straight? (laughs) You don't have to. The whole world is set up to... um, Make sure you're good, right? And so the fact that this is a constant thing we're – that's a constant um, wheel that's turning in us of, like, it's today today, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, for instance, I have a workshop that I'm teaching tomorrow at a high school. i got to figure that out, right? You know, i got to figure out what is the lesson plan? What is – what parts of me will I share? Because I know as a teaching artist, especially in poetry, when so much of poetry is about telling your own story – I got to build a rapport with them fast. If I if I want to get them to a place where they feel like confident and courageous enough to write their story and hopefully share it out loud, mm-hmm. then I also have to give a piece of myself in in exchange to show that they're not they are not out on this limb by themselves. And a part of what I always always have to negotiate is my queerness. It's like, oh, do, do I want to bargain with this piece of me today? And and do I feel safe enough doing that? It's always a constant. Yeah. Co-workers, family, teachers, students alike. It's not just having queer relationships. It's not, you know, just about who we're attracted to. And it's also like that the notion of like, oh, you're queer. That means you like me or that means this. I'm like, you ain't, you ain't cute. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, you ain't anybody I have about standards. You? Thank you. Uh, I, I mean, you know. No, <laughs> we, <laughs> no, I'm playing. I mean, but I think... It, it, this speaks to something that I've always struggled with, right? Is because, like, yeah, you could, you know, like, you could find, I, I, like, I find men attractive, right? And there's some really beautiful men out there, right? Um, yes. But it's not, you know, society says that it's not okay to just be able to, like, compliment another guy, you know, because yeah. I, I have to constantly do the checklist, right? Like, mm-hmm. this person may not be. Uh, queer, so then they might be offended. So mm-hmm. then it's not safe to, you know, 
it, it just wouldn't be safe to say that, right? Like, you could do that if you were in somewhere like a queer space, right? Or like the Castro, maybe. Mm-hmm. You know, like you have to you have to think about when it's okay to do that. Sometimes there are those signs, you know, like you just look at each other and it's mm-hmm. like. But then even with that, you you either know or you don't know, mm-hmm. and it's kind of that unknown, right? And and it just gets left there. And I would I would argue to say that that's more prevalent. Uh, um, within queer men, especially like, mm. um, I would say because of masculinity. Yeah. Um, or, and I, I guess I take that back not, not just queer men, but folks who are masculine presenting too, cause, cause it could happen with folks who identify as women, but are masculine presenting True. that, um, because masculinity has taught folks, um, it's not okay to, <laughs> right. um, be emotionally, connected even through attraction even through physical attraction even through being like ooh, like they're, they're you know they caught yeah. my eye yeah um it's it sucks because you're just looking at all this like like god damn <laughs> <laughs> you know and it's like well you know just just looking at it that, <laughs> that's it's what that's what it's got to be you know look at the menu don't order nothing <laughs> i mean shit you know and like something that is really funny that has happened in my life with the um you know just putting myself out there is that the safest place I feel safe to put myself out there is on the on like hookup or dating apps right sure. that shit that life nah man fuck that shit it's just it's I found out that it's not for me um and I and I have known that for a while and, and just kept the apps um you know just because there's those moments where you're just like gosh I need to like I need some kind of connection. I need sure whatever, right? And so that's what it's there for. But it wasn't. In, but what finally put me to the place where I wanted to be was this whole season of insecure. Mm. I'm gonna say that you know, just like insecure. Shout out to Issa Rae and like just all oh the goodness. fabulous writers. You know, like just, thank you, Issa Rae, thank for your you brilliance for, and your genius and. Your, your black, passion. Your black girl magic. You oh know my what I goodness. mean? Like, thank you. Just thank you for that because you feed into so many people. Man. And, and the content and the the topics and the themes that you cover, you know, and this one with ghosting. <laughs> this one with ghosting, man, really got to me. And it's like I have I have ghosted on people before, but I have also been ghosted. And it's it oh, sucks. Yeah. Oh yeah. It fucking sucks. You and know? it's a phenomenon that is so a part of our culture and so a right. part of disconnecting with folks of like, dang, the 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 precious sacredness of connection being robbed because you just want to stop <laughs> like talking like you don't even want to give me an explanation or not or, even or a common courtesy the to be like decency Yo. right of an explanation of something and but we've made it so easy to do that because you can hide behind a text message yeah. you can hide behind an app you can hide or and maybe not even hide but you. But that is a safety net of like, oh, I could just let drop it and let it, and walk away from it, mm-hmm. even at the expense of this other person who was emotionally invested, right? Who has feelings? Yes, who's feelings. a whole fucking person? Heartbeat. Yeah, I feel that. Yeah, dating apps. Yeah, it's... this I've had my fair share of it at least this year, um, and it's been interesting in a lot of ways. It's you know what's interesting is I I purposefully set my <laughs> settings. For men and not women, because I know myself, and I know I didn't want anything serious. Um, and I know I like I've only dated women and, and like one other guy, but 
I bet people are going to be like, wait, you're sending your settings to men? So then are you even gay? <laughs> right. Queer? What a, like, go know. look up at what queer means, okay? I yeah. Do, do your own homework, y'all. Um, right. We already <laughs> talked a lot about it. So. But yeah, so I purposely set my settings to men because I know myself and I know I don't want anything serious. Um, I was only interested in things physically and whatnot. And so so things have happened with, with men that I've met on the dating apps. And I I explicitly would ask them. If they only are interested, if they only date women, and mm. sometimes that question throws them, they're like, "What do you mean? Of course, I only date women." I was like, and they're like, "Well, what about you?" I was like, "I, I date men, women, trans folks, like, you know, whoever I'm attracted to," and it's like a mix of like them being like gross and and excited about like, "Oh, so you you date women," mm. and so and so they get all like fantasizey and ex- mm. and like fetishizing, Fetish-y, yeah. yeah. And so I'm like, uh, next," and. And then we just, and then some of them I've had good conversations with of like, oh, well, yeah, no one's ever really asked me if I only date um, women. Because it, it's just the default is the assumption is that be, like men are only supposed to be heterosexual. Right, right. <laughs> like, I don't know if you're heterosexual. And I did, I did meet someone who did, he, um, he had dated two trans women in the past. And, and we had good conversations about queerness and whatnot. Well, that's and, dope. Yeah. And I was like. Yeah, thank you. Like, like there's some grown <laughs> folks out here who have relationships with people outside of the binary of right. just women, you know. Word, that's dope. Um, but all in all, I'm off the dating apps, and I'm just dating myself and my art. And yeah. Hey, shout out to us for getting off those motherfucking <laughs> apps. Shoot. That's what I'm saying, sis, is, is that inse- the reason why I wanted to shout out Insecure is because after the season three finale. Yeah. And just seeing Issa, you know, be in a better, be in a better place. Um, after everything that just happened, especially with, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, um, spoiler alert, but you know, like with Nathan, the, you ain't nothing, Nathan, man. but you know what was kind of, was kind of like, I'm conflicted is that I kind of feel for Nathan, you know what I mean? Because You know what? I'd take it back. I said that too soon. I do also feel for Nathan. <laughs> you know, it's a real, it's a real thing for him to express that, yeah. you know, he doesn't really like people. And when he gets into a place in, in his head, like he has to go somewhere and yeah. You know, and do for him, and if that's at the expense of Issa's feelings, like he needs to go do that for himself. Yep. But she doesn't, you know, she doesn't know that, and so she needs to think about it. But just, just that whole dynamic and of that storyline, yeah, pushed me to just say, you know what, fuck it, and I deleted my accounts on the three apps that mm-hmm. I had mm-hmm. because it's like, nah, I gotta, I gotta work on me. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like I've always known that that's what I've had to do most is work on myself, and the other shit will come. And just trying to go out there and get these, you know, cheap, quick thrills or whatever. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not feeding me in a way where I need to be fed right now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I need to be fed in these kinds of ways. Absolutely. And so, I feel that. I feel I'm off that the pressure. app too. Yes. Delete those apps. Man, when you commit to yourself and you commit to being in a relationship with just yourself, that's that's on a whole nother level of love. Word. <laughs> At least I'm speaking Radical from love, right? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. The, the, the only kind of love that counts, right? Because mm-hmm. it's so deep. It's It informs how you will be able to have every other kind of relationship in your life, right? Word. Um, and when you work from the inside out, right? And so... Shout out to you for for doing that for yourself and realizing that. And and something I remember, and I'll just end on this is, a friend had um one of my one of my best friends um Jamaica. 
Chee hat. Oh, shout yeah. out to Jamaica. I, I love me some Jamaica. I do too. I miss her. She's my soulmate. Um, and so one thing that she had taught me years ago when I was going through a breakup at that time um, was she was like, and I think someone else taught her, and which I think is so beautiful, is that um, she told me to ask myself two questions and only in this order. The first question being, where do you want to be? And the second question being, who's coming with you? And don't flip the questions. Because if you flip the questions and ask who's coming with you and where do you want to be, that dictates the direction you go. Because you're now thinking of, well, this person that I really mm. love, like I really want to be with them, but I also have this dream of moving to Samoa and mm -hmm. doing work with my community. But because I'm with this person, it's really affecting that dream of mine. Mm -hmm. No, no, no. Ask yourself, what do you want and wh where do you want to be? And then who comes with you will fall in line because Heard. they will be on your journey. <laughs> Those who will be there know they, they have to be there and they'll be alongside you, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I know that's been feeding the hell out of me. I was like, I want to be on tour. I want to be in community with my people. Yes. If people come with me, they come with me. If the love of my life is somewhere in there, fine. <laughs> but, but my goal is I'm so steadfast on it that... Like, I, 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 I feel like I'm invincible where I'm like, you cannot distract me, Bumble. <laughs> you, I shan't be distracted. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> so we're going to call them out. Huh? We, 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 we know what app you was on. <laughs> <laughs> and I haven't deleted my profile. <laughs> but just don't swipe on me. I'm, I'm, not, I'm busy, okay? <laughs> I got things to do. I got shows coming up, okay? That's a beautiful way to end, sis. Yeah. Thank you so much. I hope all of us heard that. You know, <laughs> if you made it this far in the podcast, let us ask us so let us ask ourselves those questions. Yes, yes. Uh, first one being, where do you want to be? The second one being, who is coming with you? You don't got to be queer to ask yourself that. Like, no, nope, not at just all. Just ask yourself. Think about it, fam. Like, where do you want to be? Think about it as right. big of a dream as possible. If if there were no holds bar, if there was no money limit, nothing, where do you want to be? Where and 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 dream in that direction and and go there because that's yours. And then whoever is coming with you will come. Yo, and if you uh, want to drop us a line and let us know what your answers were to that, yeah, we would love to <gasps> share them on the next episode. Right, that's so beautiful. And and I will ask uh, Bex and I myself will do it too. Um, and maybe we can all share next week. I would love that. Would be dope. Right. You got to also follow For the Cultures on Twitter and on Instagram and message and, and email yeah. message on all platforms what your answers to that would be. Hit us up. Let, let's have a conversation about it. That's really that's really a beautiful way to end. I mean, I know we way over our time right now. It's been a long conversation. Um, and I just want to say thank you very much for tuning in with us. Uh, thank you for vibing with us. Thank you, Tom, yeah, for your you, patience Tom. with us. Thanks, fam. Um, thanks for having me. Uh, and thank you, Teresa. Thank, <laughs> I wanted to say thank you for being here and just thank you for your wisdom and your energy and your yeah. courage, your courage every day to to be better because you are, like you said, you're a drop in the bucket, but that drop nurtures so many. I appreciate that. I appreciate y'all so much for listening. Thank you, Danny Boyd and Bex, for just the honor of being here on the podcast I will say, if this is a testament to anything, this has been the hardest year of my life. <laughs> Danny Boy knows a little mm -hmm. bit about that. but um, And I say that as a point of 
speaking to y'all now that I'm still here and I'm still alive and I and I still want to be. And so thank you for everyone who's ever supported me up until now, whether through supporting my art or supporting my life. Um, it means so, so much to me. And so I hope we stay connected. Follow me on the Twitters and the gram. You're such a gem, Teresa, that I just, you know, it's, I'm I'm happy you're here. I'm I'm thankful and grateful that you're here and um just just thank you for being a part of mine and so many other people's healing. Mm. And like you said, a lot of the attention that you're focusing on right now is yourself. And mm. so allow that healing to feed into you as well as so many of us, you know. Hopefully we can contribute to your healing as well. Y'all already do. I'm alive um, because of it, so thank you. And I know you said earlier that you're on tour. Would you mind um, yeah. sharing with us so that folks can stay alert and stay connected to what you got going on? Yes. So, yeah, y'all, I'm currently on tour. Uh, so I'm going from school to school, universities, community colleges, high schools, and uh, nonprofit events and any community events, really, um, performing and sharing my work and teaching and leading professional uh, personal developments and whatnot. Um, if you want any more information on how to book me, please visit my website at www.teresaciangatonu.com. My full spelling could be found on the For the Cultures podcast. Yes. Yeah, we'll put site. all the links up. Yeah, um, that's the best way to get in contact with me. Um, talk to your student government about how to book me and get the funding you need to bring me out to collaborate with you. Um, I'll definitely, things to look forward to is uh, this week I'll be at University of uh, Nevada, Reno on Wednesday. I'll be in Los Angeles on Friday for a conference. I'll be in UC Santa Cruz this weekend. Just a lot of other things coming up. So just follow me on, on social media to learn more about where I'll be next. I will definitely be hitting up the state of Washington um, in 2019, the state of Utah in 2019, <laughs> and the state of Oregon. Um, and those are intentional, and I say that because that's where our Pacific Islander students are. And they're doing. And I'm scheming. I'm scheming. I'm scheming. I'm scheming. Yeah. And I'm lining it up. And so, yes. And then and then other other future projects to come as well. But. And where are you going to be tomorrow? You said you're going to be somewhere tomorrow. Uh, yeah, I just have a high school uh, workshop in San Mateo. I'll be at Hillsdale High School with Dope. one of their English classes. Yep, I love teaching too. So beyond performing and writing and coaching and stuff, I also love teaching. And so, yeah, um, follow me on all of the social medias. <laughs> yeah, this has been such a great conversation, sis. Thank you very yes. much for being here. Thank you. Like we always end off, how are you going to take care of yourself this week? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I am getting a pedicure. <laughs> yes. I'm <laughs> all for is, the pedicures. Man, I'm getting a pedicure. I am. Man, what else am I doing? I know it's going to be a busy one because I'm in three different cities mm -hmm. um, back to back to back. So I need to prioritize um, cooking for myself and, and yeah. make sure I don't fall in the trap of buying fast food. And buy, you know, and so mm -hmm. I'm going to plan that out tonight. Actually, Sundays are my downtime where I wind down and figure out my plan for the week and a big part of that has been eating be, been on eating well and a lot of that has come from cooking and being intentional about not skimping on um, taking shortcuts around that so I cook breakfast and lunch and m most times dinner too every day and I and I don't want to disrupt that and so I'm gonna try my best to don't. keep up with that but how about you D-Boy how are you going to take care of yourself um, I think the way I'm going to take care of myself this week um, well, last week I, or the week before I said I was going to read a book. I haven't yeah. done that yet. Okay. So I need to do that. Um, but what I want to do is to get rid of a lot of uh, things that are not 
being used in the house. You know, there's a lot yep. of clutter and there's a lot of, you know, just we have a lot of stuff in a small space. Um, and I think a lot of the the limited space is contributing to uh, my mental health challenges. It's a There's a direct, direct connection to that, yep. And I need to get rid of that clutter. I need to create some kind of order so that it can, the energy can be good, you know, so that, yes. you know, we're able to like, function and communicate you know the just the communication even in the house is it's kind of like yeah yeah you know it's kind of challenging and so just decluttering way to get, prioritize that getting rid of things i i think i've really um been thinking about this minimalist uh mm-hmm. lifestyle i'm not saying i want to f- i don't i don't know what it is fully but mm-hmm. just from what how it was it was explained to me is just having less yep. in, in you know in your space just just what you need yep and that's about it not all the extras so we'll see how that goes but yeah just just getting rid of things is and cleaning is yeah. going to be how I'm going to take care of myself this week absolutely good for you yeah thank you so without that you know we out of here man we done bye bye you did it <laughs> you your did. first podcast i did now you're now you can add that to your bio that you're featured. <laughs> You've done podcasting. That's update my bio. Yes. That's right. But thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the cultures fam for having me. Truly. This has been um so far the highlight of my week. And I'm I'm sure it's gonna remain that way. So thank you. Thank you all for tuning in and we'll catch up with you on the next episode. Love y'all. Love you. Peace. Bye. What are we doing it for? We're doing it for the culture. culture. culture.